but Wall gets the rebound. Goes it out to Thompson. Thompson with the three, and it's good. The space is a record here in the first get out. And Togut tries to go with the shot. He goes scores ahead of guy number two, Colin Marshall. It's really for the field goal. You have got to be kidding me. He blocked it and caught it at the same time. And he's going to bring it to the house for another Spinkos Prep touchdown. It will do it. Spinkos Prep is going to win the state championship game for back to back years. And Spinkos Prep is headed to a palestra. For the first time in school history, the St. Joseph hockey team are state champions. You're listening to WSJP, the voice of all things St. Joe's Prep. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to New Brunswick, New Jersey. I'm Ricky Weeps, and you're listening to WSJP, the St. Joseph's Prep Student Broadcasting Club Radio, only on blogtalkradio.com slash WSJP. We are coming at you tonight from High Point Solution Stadium on the campus of Rutgers University, where your St. Joe's Prep Hawks will batter the Marauders of St. Peter's Prep in their first official game of their 2018 season. Tonight I am joined by my color analyst, John Pease, our sideline reporter John Layuzzi is down on the field and will be joining us periodically throughout the broadcast. Our statisticians Thomas Avington and Charlie Murray are up here in the booth crunching the numbers for both teams tonight. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at SJP Broadcasting for information regarding every broadcast and at SJPrep underscore sports for latest scores and stats of every game. The Hawks are coming into this game having played two and a half quarters against the Panthers of St. Francis where it resulted in a draw due to the constant lightning strikes in the surrounding area. However, we did see flashes of sophomore quarterback Kyle McCord that are very promising to this prep offense. McCord finished that game going 11 for 19 with 100 yards and his first touchdown as a varsity starter. Now I'm going to bring in my right-hand man and color analyst for tonight's game, John Pease. John, welcome to the airwaves. Thanks, Ricky. It is so great to be here at the famous birthplace of college football where we can expect an extremely close game tonight from both teams. There's so many exciting players that I look forward to looking out for on both teams, and I know there's more than a few to highlight on our opponent, St. Peter's Prep. Yeah, John, the Marauders come into this game with a very dominant victory over Millville by a score of 35-6. to In that game, senior wideout Ayer Asante was beating guys left and right, allowing him to get two touchdown receptions on the day, one for 57 yards. Despite only being up six points in the half, Rich Henson's squad came out in the second half swinging. With 23 unanswered points, they were able to pull away with their first W of the year. And now the captains head out to the field for both teams as the coin flip is underway. And, and uh, uh, Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, talking about that, only six points in the first to 23 unanswered in the second half, it really shows this offense that we're going to see from St. Peter's Prep it's a team that kind of lives on the big play. You've got so many running backs, so many receivers that are downfield targets, like Kyrie Parker running back. They bring him in when they need that big sideline east-to-west run, and just so many different options they can use when they need to pick up a third and ten or something along that line. And certainly the St. Peter's prep offense is very potent. They like to throw the ball down the field. A Asante, 57-yard reception for a touchdown. 
quarterback Masai Maynard likes to air the ball out a lot. Yeah, definitely, and it really compliments him that he's a dual threat because he can get to the sideline, extend the plays, and give his receivers that chance to get open downfield. So this is really going to be a test for that St. Joe's Prep secondary. Can they stick with their man, and you know, can they can't stay in their zone if they're doing that? So it's going to be a big test, and trying to keep um, Messiah Meyer in the pocket is going to be quite a challenge. Now, St. Joe's Prep played against the Marauders last year at Quick Stadium in Widener University, but tonight they're in a bit of a different setting in a Division I Big Ten college football stadium, and this is part of the Battle on the Banks matchup series where earlier, in today, earlier today Bergen Catholic, who is also from North Jersey, took on Archbishop Wood from the PCL, and this is the nightcap, and it's certainly going to be a good one as St. Peter's looks like they're going to kick off to St. Joe's Prep. The Prep is still in the huddle praying, and with that, we're going to send it down to John Layuzzi with a storyline update coming into this game for the Hawks, John. Thank you so much, Ricky. You know, St. Joe's Prep coming into today's game, they're playing, is it more, yes, they're playing on a Big Ten camp, college campus for the second week in a row, and they're playing against a very good team in St. Peter's Prep. But today's game speaks a little bit more of importance for sophomore quarterback Kyle McCord. Now, Kyle not only has an offer from Rutgers University, one of his dozen offers he holds so far just as a sophomore, but his dad, Derek, also played here at Rutgers from 1988 to 1980 to 1992. So certainly there is some father-son connection here in this game. And, you know, coming into today's game, Kyle was saying he's really excited to play here on his dad's field because he grew up as a Rutgers Scarlet Knights fan throughout his entire career, thanks to his dad. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for all him and his entire team to come out on offense. But I also, before I send it back upstairs to you guys, the weather has stopped right now on the field. It was drizzling right before all the t- both teams were out here for warm-ups. But according to the radar, we're about 13 minutes out from another little drizzle with a mile with the wind also coming to effect. So look for that weather to be a factor in here tonight's game. Back upstairs to you guys. Thank you, John. And we are underway here at Rutgers University. Marcus Mason takes the kickoff, and he runs it all the way down to the 50-yard line, about a 30-yard return, and the Hawks are going to set up shop in some pretty good field position, something that didn't really happen last week against St. Francis. Yeah, definitely. Really key there for St. Joe's Prep offense. A short kickoff, only about to the 15, and a great return from Marcus Mason. Got down the sideline, great blocking, and now St. Joe's Prep, they're going to get in good field position with a chance to start running the ball. And St. Joe's Prep marches out to the field. McCord under center. Colby Burrell his back. Marvin Harrison singled out to his left in a trio of receivers featuring Johnny Freeman, Jack Sutton, and Anthony Wrightley to his right. McCord takes the snap, and he looks for his favorite target, Johnny Freeman, just in a curl route. That's going to pick up about four yards there. Yeah, we saw the same thing last week against St. Francis with Kyle McCord and Gabe Infante's relationship just starting off early, a nice little quick pass, trying to get him in the groove of things. And only a three-yard gain about for the Hawks' offense, but you know, just got to keep establishing, keep getting yards, and try to avoid the negative play early on. St. Joe's, or McCord, rather, filling in for Marquez McCray, who graduated last year. He is now at Sacred Heart University. McCray did not throw the ball that many times. He was more of a rushing quarterback as McCord takes the snap, and he is looking for Johnny Freeman on the outside or Jack Sutton, maybe. But it was in the middle of no man's land. I think he was expecting a, a farther route to be run. 
Yeah, definitely great coverage on the outside, too, by J.J. Skogo just trying to force Freeman to the outside and got that position and made a great play on the ball, get it out of bounds, and just a great play overall from their defense. Skoko, the only returning member of the Marauders' secondary this year. He is a senior, and last game he had an interception. McCord takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, and he's going to roll to his left, and he crosses the line of scrimmage, so he's going to try and pick up three more yards, and it's going to be fourth down for St. Joe's Prep. It'll be interesting to see what they do here in four-down territory. They're at about the 40-yard line of the Marauders, and it looks like McCord is going to stay out there, and the Hawks are going to go for it here. Marcus Mason now comes out into the left-handed slot for McCord. Colby Burrell to his left. McCord trying to go with the hard count there. Now Burrell moves out to the slot. So empty backfield with McCord. He's looking over to Coach Infante. Johnny Freeman looked a little confused over on that sideline, the last one to line up. And it looks like there are whistles being blown, and Coach Infante is going to burn his first time out of the, of the half. And, John, this, is something, this could be a big play here for the Hawks, considering that they're in the middle of the field, and if they were to turn it over here, you'd be setting up Masai Maynard and the Marauders in some pretty good field positioning. Well, I would, I would be surprised if... Gabe Infante didn't change his mind to bring out the punting unit here. Which... And that's exactly what he's doing right now. Jack Sutton back to kick it, but we've also seen some trick plays up Coach Infante's sleeves in years past, especially on the punt unit. Yeah, it brings back memories to the state championship last year, the 4th and 10. Jack Sutton, a punter, threw the fade route down the sideline. So definitely a guy, former quarterback when he came to the school, transferred to slot receiver and punter. So a guy that can do a lot back there. Also a center fielder for the JV baseball team just one year ago. Joe McCabe, the snap to Sutton. And Sutton is going to kick it away. High arcing kick. And it's going to be fair caught by the Marauders. And now Masai Maynard is going to take over with this powerful offense. Definitely surprised to see Ayur Asante take the fair catch there. I thought he had a little bit of room to try and maneuver, especially when you're catching it at your own 12-yard line, but takes the fair catch, plays it safe, and St. Joe's Prep Hawks defense, I think is really key to keep Maynard in the pocket and do not let him get to the sidelines. So the Marauders will take over at their own 12-yard line, and the Hawks come out defensively with Jeremiah Trotter Jr. back on the field. He was out last week with an injured foot, so big, big help for the Hawks linebacking core as Maynard takes the snap. And he's going to find his receiver on a curl route. Looks like that's going to be Chase Jones, the Wake Forest commit. And now it's going to be second and six. Yeah, just a quick play. Chase Jones, 39 catches last year for 526 yards. So a big target for quarterback Masai Maynard. And now Maynard, he goes back and forth between the coaches and the huddle. So he's going to be moving his legs a lot too, despite – or including being a dual-threat quarterback. He likes to run the ball when it presents itself. So Maynard in the shotgun. They motion the tight end out to his right. Maynard's going to look for Jones. Jones takes it, and he's going to get the first down there at about the 25-yard line, and that's just a deeper curl route there that he was able to run after the catch and pick up the first. Yeah, uh, Michael Alexander there just playing back a little bit, not pressed, trying to prevent the big play and pass right into the slot. That's going to 
go for a catch every single time. And Michael Alexander is a new member of this prep secondary, as well as Nick Rios, who is a safety. Miles Talley and Princeton commit Zach Bogus are the two returning members of that core. So now Maynard in the pistol formation. And he's going to take the snap and hand it off to Anthony Sumney. And Sumney is going to be hit at about the 28-yard line, but then pushed by the line to the 31-yard line. You know, that's one of the awesome benefits of having three running backs out there that all get snaps. You get guys like Anthony Sumney. He's going to get out there, and he knows he can fight for these extra yards. He doesn't have to preserve any energy for that second half because he's going to be coming off the field a lot when you got two capable guys also back there. Sumney still looks to be in the backfield with Maynard and, I, and Kyrie Parker on his right, or a year, Asante rather. Asante is set in motion, fake handoff to Sumney, and Maynard's going to roll out and find Chase Jones on the right side of the field, and he's going to pick up another first down for the Marauders, and the Marauders are looking pretty good out on offense right now, and they're coming out swinging. Yeah, just the movement on the offensive line before the play was really what made that happen. It moved Zach Bogus back into the, the kind of the free safety role and just left short little route wide open, and they're going to take that play every time. As Maynard walks back, into the huddle, the Hawks' defensive line has done a pretty good job of getting to the quarterback in their last game. Anthony Lenahan was one who had three sacks against the Panthers. And Maynard in the shotgun. Two receivers to his right, three to his left. And it looks like there's going to be another timeout on the field. So with that, we're going to take a quick break here on WSJP. Currently the Hawks and the Marauders are tied up at zero. With 8.56 remaining, we'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Coach Infante, and you're listening to WSJP, the home of prep football. WSJP, your home for St. Joe's Prep Sports year-round, only on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to High Point Solutions Stadium on the campus of Rutgers University. I'm Ricky Weaves alongside John Pease, and you're listening to WSJP, the St. Joe's Prep Broadcasting Club, only on blogtalkradio.com slash WSJP. And as we return from break, it was first and ten from the Marauders' 46-yard line, but after an incomplete pass, it's now going to be second and 10. Yeah, Michael Alexander and Chase Jones there with a one-on-one matchup. Alexander, great play, dives into the hole and is able to knock it down. He's a big guy who had a huge week last week against St. Francis guarding 6'5", Jake, so definitely a guy with a lot of potential in his defense. As Maynard lines up in the pistol, Anthony Sumney is back, and he's going to hand it off to Sumney. Sumney's going to barrel through the line and gain about four there. So it's going to be third and six now for St. Peter's. Yeah, great play by Liam Johnson there to plug the hole, get in and make the tackle, only gain a four, send up third down and long. Now the Hawks are going to put a few more defensive backs onto the field. 
See, this is where for St. Peter's offense, this is where it gets really interesting with, you know, the play calling they can do. They've got Kyrie Parker, who they could put on the field to run. They, got, they could do a design quarterback run, or if they have talented receivers, they could send out. Your Asante set in the motion, and Maynard's going to fake the handoff to Sumney, and it's a screen pass now, and Sumney takes it up the middle, and he's going to pick up the first and then some, a gain of about 15 yards for the senior and now they're driving deeper in the Hawks' territory. A great block there by Andrew Morero to get Liam Johnson just caught in a position. Just goes out there, and Liam Johnson completely stuck, able to cut it back up the middle, and a really big game for St. Peter's prep on third down. Now St. Peter's at the Hawks' 38-yard line. Maynard in the shotgun with five receivers, and Maynard's going to look to his left, and now he's going to decide to run it, and the Hawks converge on him. But Maynard still gets four yards there. It's going to be second and six. Good play by St. Joe's prep defense. I know it's hard to keep him from scrambling, but they stay in their lanes, and they're able to bring him down without letting him break it free. And last week, St. Joe's prep kind of struggled to stop the run with Blake Corum, the St. Francis running back. And it's going to be a real challenge for them to stop Maynard. Maynard, in his last game, Threw for 170, 157 yards and three touchdowns, but he also ran for 26 yards on two carries. So he's definitely a dual-threat quarterback that the Hawks have to contain as Maynard finds Chase Jones again on a curl route. And it looks like they might, they do pick up the first down, in fact. And now they are bordering the, ed, end, the red zone rather on the Hawks' 27-yard line. Yeah, look at the connection between Masai Maynard and Chase Jones. Already four targets at him, brought in two. So definitely a guy he's very comfortable with who he threw 39 times to last year and has a lot of touchdowns. So a big red zone threat, and they're going to look to get him in a one-on-one here on the sideline. Jones in his last game had three receptions for 26 yards. Tonight he already has three for 31 yards as the handoff goes to Sumney. And Sumney's going to be met right at the line. Might have gotten a yard there with a generous spotting. Yeah, good play by Jeremiah Trotter. Just plug the hole. St. Joe's Prep, they can't let the teams run up the middle on them. They struggled, you know, last week against St. Francis in the run game in general, but if they're going to let teams run down the middle, that's just going to be a big blow for the secondary. They have to give them a chance. Now Maynard still in the shotgun. A year Asante, one-on-one coverage with Mike Ele- or Chase Jones, rather, one-on-one coverage with Mike Alexander to his left. And he's going to look for Jones again. Zeller jumps in front of him, and Chase Jones is going to bring it inside the 10-yard line. It's going to be at the 5. And now the Marauders are just 5 yards from scoring a touchdown, and it's going to be first and goal. That's such a tough play for Michael Alexander because your instincts are to go to that ball. Not exactly a bullet, pretty lightly thrown. And he tries to jump the route, tries to get the interception, and it ends out hurting them in a big way. Chase Jones listed at 6-2. Mike Alexander's. 5-9, so a little bit of a height discrepancy there, and the Marauders are certainly exploiting that so far in this first quarter. Maynard takes the snap and finds year Asante running across the middle, and that's going to be a touchdown for St. Peter's Prep. They get on the board first here with about 5.39 remaining in the first quarter. And just these quick routes, they continue to run the whole drive. A great throw by Masai Maynard and just Another miscommunication by the Hawks secondary, leaving Ayer Asante wide open in the end zone. Now it's going to be Justin Capararo to kick the extra point. He was two for four against Millville last week. And the kick 
is good. So with that, we're going to send it down to our sideline reporter, John Leuzzi. John, what a drive by the Marauders to start this game. It was an excellent drive by the Marauders on offense. It really got the momentum going for them on offense. And St. Joe's Prep continuing having the trouble of stopping the run game from last week. But also, the Hawks want to stop them. The Marauders on offense, they're going to have to stop the slant route and stop the flame route because we saw a slant route right there to Asante from Maynard. And also, the St. The same Peter's student section, guys, is making an impact on this team. Usually, it's St. Joe's Prep student section making an impact on the opponent's team. This time, it's going to get St. Joe's Prep. So, make sure that will be an interesting thing to follow throughout this game. Back upstairs to you guys. Thank you, John. And other John, uh, that certainly was a great drive put together by Masai Maynard. A lot of short passes, as John mentioned. And he also mentioned that student section. The Hawks had to cross the Delaware River this afternoon to make their way up here to Rutgers. And it's certainly a home game here for the the Marauders. Yeah, the Marauders. Tino went 7-0 and at home last year. So a really loyal student section that makes it extremely hard for opposing teams. And they're certainly having an impact early on. With that touchdown, with every gain, the tackles for loss, they are exploding. And as the Marauders kick it to Marcus Mason, he tumbles down. And with high school rules, he's going to be spotted at the five-yard line of the Hawks. And they certainly have their work cut out for them on the second drive of the game. About 5.37 remaining on the clock here in the first quarter. I'm Ricky Weeps along with John Pease. John Leuzzi is our sideline man. Thomas Avington and Charlie Murray are upstairs in the booth crunching the numbers with us. You're listening to WSJP, St. Joe's Prep Student Broadcasting Club Radio, only on blogtalkradio.com slash WSJP. And now McCord comes out in the shotgun. Marvin Harrison singled out to his left, but he's going to hand it off to Colby Burrell. Burrell tries to run it inside the tackles, but is going to be stopped for only maybe a yard there. See, plays like that, that's where you're going to see R.J. McKee's absence really hurt the team. The star left tackle, really, really strong kid. You see the videos of him uh, squatting 500 pounds, so big loss for the offensive line. And if they're going to try and run left, they're going to need a very big game out of Matt Lombardi, who's been moved over there. And Richard Nichols is going to also come on to replace McKee, who went down on the first play of the game against the Panthers last week. McCord in the pistol, hands it back off to Burrell. Burrell tries to look for the outside and cuts back inside, but is met by a cohort of marauders and really loses yards on the play. So now it's going to be third and long for the Hawks on their own four-yard line. Yeah, the Hawks just within their own five-yard line trying to run the ball up the middle. Usually this is where you see a team, you know, try and work the sidelines, take advantage of corners not being able to tackle, but this shows the confidence they have in their backs and their offensive line, even without McKee, just lining up and running up the middle. So... Definitely an interesting play call there. St. Peter's playing press coverage on the outsides as McCord takes a drop back, and he airs it out, but it's intercepted by the Marauders, and he's going to run it down the middle with a spin move, and now he's met by Colby Burrell, taken down at the 25-yard line of the Hawks, and now there's yellow being thrown on the field. But that was just a poor decision by McCord, just an overthrown football and it ultimately results in the turnover. Adonis McGee with the interception there. Yeah, just not sure. You know, the miscommunication between Freeman and McCord. Freeman kind of, you know, ran out, turned around, looked for the curl, and McCord thought he was going down the sideline, put a little air under it, and just great play. 
defensively picks it off and an even better return. And it looks like they're going to move him back 10 yards there. Unsure of the call. But now it's going to be first and 10 for the Marauders as they set up shop on the Hawks' 40-yard line going from our left to our right with 4-10 remaining here in the first quarter. Now Maynard comes out with two running backs in the backfield. Asante set into motion, but now it's handed off to Kyrie Parker as he's met by Cooper Kim, the captain of the linebackers, as he's met for a loss of three there. Yeah, great play by Cooper Kim. You know, just once again, the Ayer Asante motion in the backfield. This time they don't let it throw him off, and they are able to bring him down in the backfield. Loss of three. Great play by Cooper Kim. Kim had five tackles, a team high against St. Francis last week, and he dones the number 10 jersey, which is, in Gabe Infante's eyes, the leader of the defense. Now Asante sent back into motion, and Maynard's going to find him on a swing route. And Asante's running after the catch down the left sideline, and he's going to pick up the first down, it looks like. A 13-yard reception for Asante. Just another play where they sent him in motion. It's an awful lot. Jeremiah Trotter misses the tackle on the sideline, and he's got at least close to that first down, if not there. And it looks like they're going to spot him a yard short there. So third and one for St. Peter's. Maynard the lone person in the backfield, three receivers to his right, two to his left. As the ball comes out, Maynard tried to do a QB draw, and the Hawks look like they have it. We're waiting for the sign from the official. And it is St. Joe's prep football. Great job by the defense, swarming Maynard on third and one. And now it's going to be St. Joe's prep football at the Hawks' 29-yard line. And what a stop by the defense coming up with the turnover there. Yeah, an awesome play. You know, Maynard goes for that scramble. And it looks like it was Trotter that jarred the ball out. A great play by him coming back after missing the tackle. And a bunch of Hawks pounced on the ball. Awesome. Get the ball back in the offense's hands and try and put some wear and tear on this defense. We have some added features to tonight's broadcast. They're doing some instant replays up on the scoreboard here at High Point Solutions Stadium. So we are able to see who jarred the ball loose, and it's kind of nice to see as McCord takes the snap in the shotgun. He's rolling out to his left, and he's brought down by the Marauders. That looks like it's number 44, the Duke commit, R.J. Oben, with the sack. And now the Hawks have second and about 20, maybe a little more than 20, to go. Yeah, that St. Peter's prep secondary on that play is what I want to highlight. Three new starters. Only one returning, and they're able to out, go out there. Sancho's prep runs a four verticals, and not one receiver is able to get open. Lockdown coverage by St. Peter's prep down the field, and that left Kyle McCord with absolutely nothing to do with the pass rush. McCord in the shotgun. He looks to his left as Jack Sutton, and he's going to go nowhere after the catch there. So pick up a five, and now it's going to be third and 18 for the Hawks. Yeah, just trying to get... You know, Sutton to the outside, try and get some yards after the catch, but unable to do so. Some great team tackling there. You know, you talk about that by St. Peter's Prep and able to bring him down and third down and very long for a first-year starter QB. Kyrie Robinson one-on-one with Marvin Harrison to to McCord's left. And I think they're going to need to utilize 
his size in this situation. Marvin Harrison, 6'4", big guy. McCord takes the snap, and he's pressured again by the Marauders and is brought down for another sack. And we've really seen the Marauders' defensive line get after the quarterback tonight, despite losing three Under Armour All-Americans in the form of Shane Simon and the Adamalola Twins. Yeah, just great pass rush there. Kyle McCord given no time to look downfield, and St. Joseph's offensive line has to step up in this game if they're going to give that new sophomore quarterback a chance. So on fourth and 30, Coach Infante makes the smart choice to punt. Jack Sutton awaits the snap from McCabe. It's a high snap, but Sutton gets it away, and it only goes about 20 yards in the air, and it's going to fall out of bounds at the Hawks' 30-yard line. So the Hawks unable to capitalize on the turnover by Maynard. And with that, we're going to take a quick break here on WSJP with the prep behind the Marauders of St. Peter's Prep, 7 to nothing. You are listening to WSJP, the St. Joe's Prep Student Broadcasting Club, only on blogtalkradio.com slash WSJP. Hi, my name is Christopher Purtis, English teacher at St. Joe's Prep. And when I can't make it to the game, I make sure to tune in to WSJP so I can follow all of the action. Well, that was certainly a quick break if I've ever heard one before as the Marauders come back onto the field as Masai Maynard in the pistol formation with Sumney his back. Four receivers bunched to his right, and he hands it off to Sumney, but Sumney is swarmed at the line of scrimmage for no pickup, maybe a loss of one there, and it's going to be second and 11. St. Joe's Prep sent the house on that one. No safeties. They were going after that quarterback, and able to stop the run in the backfield, big loss of one, and overall just very gutsy call by Gabe Infante on first down when he's already seen his quarterbacks, hit the Masai Maynard beating them downfield, and it worked out there. And we saw Miles Talley creeping along the edge, so even if Maynard was to keep it himself, Talley was there to make a tackle, so great decision-making by Coach Infante. So second and 11 from the Hawks' 30-yard line. Maynard in the pistol again, two receivers to his right, one to his left. And it looks like they're going to draw a neutral zone infraction on Tally, trying to anticipate the snap count. Now it's going to move him up five yards, still second down. A lot of confusion there overall by the Hawks' defense on that play. You saw Anthony Wrightley and Nick Rios in the secondary, not sure who was supposed to be lined up on which side. And you saw the same thing with the defensive line, and that's going to cost him five yards. And it looks like... Time trickled down to zero at the end of the first quarter. So now we're going to take a real break here on WSJP. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? I'm Frank Graffa, teacher of Spanish and French at the Prep, and you're listening to WSJP, Prep Sports Radio. Welcome back to the great state of New Jersey where the Hawks are behind against the Marauders of St. Peter's Prep, 7 to nothing. I'm Ricky Weeps alongside John Pease, and you are listening to WSJP, St. Joseph's Prep Student Broadcasting Club Radio only on blogtalkradio.com slash WSJP. And now 
as we get a fresh 12 minutes on the clock and switch fields. The Marauders are going to have second and six at the Hawks' 25-yard line as Maynard fakes the handoff to Sumney and is swarmed by Nick Bika in the backfield. And that's going to be his first sack of this new calendar year. But now it's going to be third and long for the Marauders. John Leuzzi's favorite player on the defense comes through. Key sack there. Move them back. Get them out of field goal range. And St. Joe's Prep, if they can force an incompletion here, could very well be looking at getting the ball back. And now a field goal here from this, the 31-yard line of the Hawks would be about 48 yards for Capararo. So about four down territory as Maynard takes the snap, and he's looking for Asante on the screen. And... Rightly misses the tackle, but he's brought down by Lenahan and Trotter short of the first down. So now it's going to be fourth and three for St. Peter's. And it'll be interesting to see if they go for the field goal here, considering it'd be about 30 yards. I expect them to go for this completely here. You know, you got a kicker who went two for four on extra points, one field goal last week, so very inexperienced and this offense has been clicking clearly so far, so they've got a lot they could call here. So now fourth and three for the Marauders. Sumney behind Maynard in the pistol formation, two receivers to his right. Maynard's going to take the snap, drop back, look to his right, and it overthrows Asante. And now it's going to be St. Joe's prep football. And the Hawks catch another break there with the turnover on downs. A great play there by Nick Rios. Once again, Yurisante comes out of the backfield, does a halfback wheel on the sideline, and Rios able to keep up with him every step of the way. And the ball forces Maynard to make an overthrow, and that'll, that's key. Sanchez Prep gets the ball back after turning it over in such good territory. So now St. Joe's Prep empty on all their drives in the first quarter, looking to come out in the second quarter with some new energy as Dan Stevenson is trotting off the field, Coach Infante calling his troops over. And with that, we're going to send it down to our sideline correspondent, John Leuzzi. John, what do you have for us? Guys, St. Joe's prep on offense is not having a great protection by the offensive line, and I really think that is why Kyle McCordon is not able to get as much time in the pocket formation getting able to get those passes as he had last week against St. Francis and having the loss of of RJ McKee on the O-line is certainly being seen here today and and coach Infante is not happy with the team and on defense that was a big play there by on defense Nick Bika having a big big tackle on the third down they were able to get it and coach Infante had to call that second timeout here in the second quarter because Dan Stevenson did not get off the field at time. So hopefully the Hawks can get some protection on the O-line because there's a big drive on offense coming out after the fourth down by the Hawks defense. Back upstairs to you guys. Thank you for that, John. And now McCord in the pistol formation. The Hawks have six linemen on the field. Hands it off to Burrell. Burrell breaks through up the middle, and he's going to pick up nine yards there, carrying some defenders on his back. Now it's going to be second and one, depending on where they... Nope, they're going to move the chains here. And it's going to be a first down, and the Hawks are getting into the hurry-up. Yeah, R.J. Oban misses the tackle, and Burrell powers right through. Burrell able to kick it outside now, and he is gone right now as he slows down. As they're going to say he stepped out of bounds at the 37... Oh, at the, before the 50-yard line. Let's spot him at the 48 
but Colby Burrell breaking to the outside, it's going to be hard to catch him when he does that. Yeah, just trying to tip down the, tiptoe down the sideline, just gets out of bounds. Now McCord hands it off to Mason. Mason pounds it up the middle for about two yards here, and this is something that we saw the Hawks do against St. Francis. They went to the passing game a lot early, and then they tried to stick with the run game, and that's really how they wear teams down. Yeah, the Hawks can also continuing to run the ball to the left side of the offensive line. You know, that's interesting because that's where they lost uh, R.J. McKee from, but they moved Matt Lombardi over there, and Gabe Infante has a lot of confidence that they can provide a hole for their backs. Now Dan Steven, Stevenson, the tight end, and Jack Sutton come on. Sutton in the slot for McCord. McCord hands it off to Mason. Mason goes up the middle but brings it out to the left, and he's going to pick up four yards there. So now it's third and five for the Hawks as they switch fields, getting into Marauder territory at about the 47-yard line. Yeah, Sanchez Prep Hawks offense, you know, got to come up with a play here to get this first down. They can't put their defense out on the field again with this short notice, and a first down would be really key here. Marauders load the box right now. Marcus Mason moves to the slot as Colby Burrell trots to McCord's right side. The Hawks now going from our left to our right. McCord now moves to the pistol with Burrell behind him. Marvin Harrison singled out to McCord's left, and he's going to take the snap and find Marcus Mason on the curl route, and that's going to move the chains, and the Hawks are going to sprint to the line as they are starting to feel a little rhythm on offense, keep getting first downs. A great catch there by Marcus Mason. Lays out for the ball, completely underthrown, down by his feet, able to make a diving catch, and Move those chains for the Hawks. Great play. And now McCord's going to hand it off to Burrell. Burrell going up the middle but kicks it to the outside and puts his head down into the defender. And now he's going to get five yards here. And the Hawks are certainly feeling a rhythm now. And the offensive line looks a lot better for the running game than they have in the passing game so far. Yeah, look at the power, though, of Colby Burrell on that run. Goes to the outside, has the chance to juke left or go up the middle, and just knows he's got that strength and tries to absolutely truck the defender and takes them both down. Hawks bring in an extra lineman. Hand off to Burrell. Burrell goes to the right, kicks it to the outside. He's at the 20, and now he's going to be inside the red zone. What a run. About 20-plus yards for Colby Burrell, and he's certainly got the wheels turning right now. For yeah. the Hawks. Colby Burrell, a guy who had a sore left leg coming into this game, he was kind of questionable to play, and he looks healthy out there as ever. So now the Hawks inside the red zone for the first time today. As Marcus Mason is now the back for McCord, and McCord hands it off to Mason. Mason tries to go up the middle, but is stuffed at the line. Yes, St. Joe's prep just continuing to... If it's not broke, don't fix it, and they're just going to keep running the ball here. You know, you could try and play action, but clearly Coach Infante wants to keep it, keep it going. And now the Hawks are going to bring another receiver onto the field in Anthony Wrightley as Jack McGeever, the tight end, runs off. So now two receivers to McCord's right in Wrightley and Harrison, and two to, his, two to his right in Johnny Freeman and Jack Sutton, Marcus Mason, to McCord's right in the backfield. McCord takes the snap, looks to his right. He's going to air it out to Johnny Freeman. Freeman goes up, catches it, and it's a touchdown for St. Joe's Prep as the Hawks have an opportunity to tie this game up. Johnny Freeman just climbed the ladder over the defender there and put the Hawks on the board here in the second quarter. A great catch by Johnny Freeman. He absolutely mossed the defender on that play, you could say. 
an underthrown ball, is able to turn around, find it, and reach over the top and make the catch. Phenomenal play in the end zone by Freeman. And as the Hawks get ready for the extra point, we're going to send it down to John Leuzzi after this one. The kick is up, and it is good. So St. Joe's Prep ties it up here with 7.08 remaining in the second quarter. And now we're going to send it down to John Leuzzi. John, what a catch by the senior. What a catch, and certainly, Ricky, two great catches back-to-back weeks for the senior. Last week, the touchdown didn't count. Johnny Freeman came back out here this week and said, this time it's going to count, and he certainly made that touchdown count for the Hawks. Great offensive drive for the Hawks. They were able to move in. Colby Burrell on the sides, put Marcus Mason in the slot. They get that big third conversion down for the first down, and he was able to get Freeman. McCord to Freeman once again in the touchdown in the end zone. Big drive for the Hawks. Let's hope this offensive drive and the momentum on offense continues for the Hawks as the defense comes out. Got a great tied game up here. Back upstairs to you guys. Thank you for that, John. And that was certainly a momentum booster for the Hawks as McCord now 3 of 6 on the day for 35 yards and a touchdown as Mike Campbell, the kicker, gets set to send it away to the Marauders for the first time tonight. Yeah, this w- kickoffs were a big area where St. Joe's Prep had a hard time stopping St. Francis last week, so they need to come up with a tackle and not let them get good field position. Campbell replacing Anthony Tagano, who graduated last year. As Asante catches it at the 15-yard line, he's going to bring it up the middle to just past the 25-yard line. So not So some pretty good field position for the Marauders as the Hawks' defense tries to keep up that momentum for St. Joe's Prep. Yeah, good stop there by St. Joe's Prep special teams. Impressed, a good tackle, went up the middle and looked good over there. And they're going to keep St. Peter's Prep inside their own 30-yard line, and that's key for giving their defense a chance. St. Joe's Prep now trying to get the ball back before the end of the second quarter, even to try and get some more points on the board before the Marauders receive in this to start the second half, rather. Love to see Jeremiah Trotter come with another blitz because he's having a lot of success with getting to the quarterback, Masai Maynard. Hawks load the box, and the handoff goes to Kyrie Parker, but it's swarmed at the line by the Hawks, and they really stuffed him there. Another great stop by Sancho's prep. They're starting to load the box, try and prevent the runs up the middle, and these last couple drives, it's paying off. And it's really hard to get past defensive linemen like Nick Bika and Anthony Lanahan to begin with, but add in those linebackers like Liam Johnson, Jeremiah Trotter, and Cooper Kim, and that's really, really difficult to, to accomplish. Yeah, definitely. And St. Joe's Prep just continuing to bring the pressure. It really seems to be working. I, I, can't, I wouldn't expect them to change it. Parker in the backfield as Maynard tosses his towel behind him. Asante sent in motion. Now back out to his left-handed slot, and the handoff goes to Parker. Parker is then swarmed by some Hawks defenders after about three yards there. So now it's going to be third and four for St. Peter's. Sancho's prep, these last two drives, really taking the run game just completely out of the playbook for St. Peter's prep. They're swarming Kyrie Parker at the line there and bringing up a big third and five. This defense is going to have to hold in the pass coverage and if they can bring the pressure, I think it could work out for them. Well, Maynard has not dealt with the pressure too well tonight. We haven't really seen him get out of the pocket and scramble that much, which I guess is accredited to the Hawks' defensive line, not letting him get outside the tackle box. 
as Maynard takes the snap. He looks for Jones on the outside, and he's going to come back and pick up the first down at the Marauders' 40-yard line. And Mike Alexander just left a lot of space there, a big cushion for Jones to make that catch and move the chains. Yeah, on third and five, you know, usually when you're going to see a defender in man coverage, they're going to be playing them up close at the line and press, but playing back and just kind of get left the flats wide open, and when it's only five yards you need, that's going to go every time. And with the arm of Maynard, you don't want to play too close to the receivers because of the deep ball threat. Yeah, and I think that's what Infante's trying to do there, just prevent the ball downfield, and he gave him the five yards. Two receivers to Maynard's right, but he's going to hand it off to Parker. Parker finds some open field, but then has run into his own blocker, and he's only going to pick up three on the, on the carry. See that right there by Sanchez Prep defense, that is the beautiful thing that happens when you're able to get multiple guys to the ball. You had Jeremiah Trotter and Cooper Kim there. Kim went for the tackle, and Jeremiah Trotter, you could see him just trying to rip the ball out of Kyrie Parker's hands, get another turnover. So now second and seven from for the Marauders. They are nearing the 50-yard line as the Hawks go three D linemen, four linebackers, and four members of the secondary as Maynard takes the handoff and finds Chase Jones over the middle again. Jones, as soon as he caught the ball, was hit by Wrightley and Bogus, and it looks like they're going to spot him at the 49-yard line of the Hawks. So another first down for St. Peter's. Yeah, just continuing to move the ball on this drive. The pass plays, these past couple throws have been on point by Maynard, and just continuing to take advantage of this prep defense on the short passes, it's going to cause them to have to play up eventually. St. Peter's putting together a good drive right now. Not a home run play yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see one here. As Maynard takes the snap and flips it to Sumney, Sumney tries to cut it back on the left side, and he's brought down for a gain of about two, and it looks like Jeremiah Trotter was in on that tackle too. He has been all over the field on this one, just getting left and right into the backfield. Trotter having a big impact on this run defense. We talked about it last week with St. Francis, how they were able to just run the ball up the middle, what Trotter's impact would be back here, and it's been huge. Trotter currently holds offers from Maryland, Syracuse, and Temple, and he's only in his second year of high school. As the Hawks load the line, Masai Maynard looks for Chase Jones coming across the middle, but it's broken up by Mike Alexander. They continue to go after Jones on Mike Alexander. He's made some great plays over in this game, and Liam Johnson helped out there, breaking up the pass, and it's just a great play by Hawks' defense. they got to prevent these short passes, the slants, the fades, the curls, and if they can do that, they're going to put a lot more pressure on Masai Maynard to throw downfield, which we have not seen him attempt to do yet. Chase Jones got up a little slow there, walking gingerly on that right ankle, but he looks fine now as he lines up across from Alexander. Two guys in the backfield for Maynard as Asante rolls to his left, but Maynard drops the snap, and now he has to pick it up and try to run it, but the Hawks are going to stop him for a loss of four there, and now it's going to be fourth and ten for St. Peter's, and Marcus Mason is trotting out there back to receive the punt. A great job there by the Hawks' defense. You know, After giving up a couple third-down conversions in a row, they get out there, and on third down, they're able to clamp up in the secondary and a miscommunication between Mike Giordano, the center, and Masai Maynard caused a forced, a fumble on the snap end. Good job not letting him run for the first down. The punt is away with three minutes left. Oh, it's blocked by St. Joe's Prep. It looks like Anthony Wrightley got a hand on that, and St. Joe's Prep is going to take over 
just inside the Marauders' 40-yard line, and special teams coming up with a big play there. Great job by Anthony Wrightley. Yeah, Wrightley gets right through, blocks the punt. Cooper Kim recovers it, and that is going to be finally be great field position for St. Joe's Prep. We've seen St. Peter's continue to get the ball inside the 50, and now the Hawks' offense is going to do it, and we can't wait to see how they take advantage. 3:02 remaining here in the second quarter. The Hawks of St. Joe's Prep are knotted up at 7 with the Marauders of St. Peter's Prep, but with the second quarter, quarter winding down, make sure you tune in for Hawk Talk at the half where Thomas Abington and Charlie Murray will be breaking down the first half of action between these two Jesuit squads. As McCord in the pistol with Colby Burrell in the backfield, he's going to fake it to Burrell, look to his left, step up in the pocket, and he's going to take it himself. He finds some real estate on the left side, and he's looking for the sideline, and he's pushed out of bounds just short of the first down by the Marauders. And great, real, great job recognizing all the space on the left side, Stepping up, great awareness by the by the sophomore. Yeah, that's one thing when defense's game plan for this offense, they don't expect Kyle McCord to run the ball. And he's not a runner, but right there, great recognition to see the hole on the left side of the field takes off and extremely close to the first down. Those are kind of football instincts that Sancho's prep looks to with this new sophomore sensation, Kyle McCord. And McCord, who, as John mentioned, his father played in the Rutgers Red for four years during his collegiate career as the handoff goes to Burrell and he barrels his way past the markers, lowers his shoulder and picks up some tough love yardage there as the Hawks are going to move the chains getting, cl- chains getting closer to the red zone. Colby Burrell is an absolutely violent runner, just trucks the defender there and is e- easily able to pick up the more yards out there running with some fire in his belly. Burrell takes the handoff, tries to cut it to the right side, but is met by the Marauders. That looks like it's Chase Jones playing on the defensive side of the football now for the Marauders. That dude's got to be pretty tired right now. Yeah, Chase Jones, another one of the multiple two-way players that this team has. you got Cody Simon, who's also a linebacker out there and receiver, so they've got to be gassed out there. In the pistol, the handoff goes to Borelli, cuts it to the right side, but is brought down by the Marauders. That is Cody Simon, the brother of Shane Simon, who was an Under Armour All-American, now at Notre Dame University playing for the Fighting Irish. That is a shoestring tackle there. A great job by Cody Simon to get his hands on the foot of Colby Burrell, and if he doesn't do that, that looks like it would have been a touchdown run for the Hawks. So definitely some frustration in the booth for the Hawks offense. So now third and 12 for the Hawks. Johnny Freeman to McCord's right. Marcus Mason, Jack Sutton, and Marvin Harrison to McCord's left as Burrell is in the backfield. McCord's going to take the hand, take the snap and hand it off to Burrell on the draw. And Burrell's going to pick up a few yards before he's dragged down by his jersey by number 55, George Rooks, the 6'4 sophomore. Yeah, Sancho's prep runs that conservative play there because, you know, if they don't gain any yards, they go for the 12-yard pass. They're not in field goal range, but they're inside the 25, and they're going to give him a chance. And it looks like Colby Burrell is down on the field holding something close to his leg, and we're going to send it down to John Leuzzi, who says he has an injury update. John, what do you have for us? Yeah, guys, that injury update was just who got injured on the field for St. Joe's Prep, Colby Burrell. After the last last drive on offense, where, which resulted in a touchdown for the Hawks, he was being checked out on his ankle by the training staff. Now, a few weeks ago, Burrell did suffer a ankle injury in their scrimmage against St. Joe's Regional, 
So he has been dealing with that for the past couple of weeks. Hopefully he can come back on offense as he is a big part of the offense here tonight. Let's send it back upstairs to you guys for the last minute of this, second, of this first half. Thank you, John. As we saw Colby Burrell walk off the field under his own pressure, slamming his helmet violently against the turf. And now he's getting checked out by the trainer under the tent. And now it's going to be fourth and six for the Hawks. As there is something going on with the referee on the field. I'd be extremely surprised if Sintra's Prep isn't out there. They have one more timeout left. I think they're out there probably trying to get the hard count from McCord and drawing them off sides because otherwise I'm not exactly sure why they want to take the field goal because they're well within range. 101 remaining here in the second quarter. St. Joe's Prep knotted up at seven with St. Peter's Prep. McCord, five receivers out, two to his right, three to his left. McCord trying to go with the hard count, but then looks back over to the sideline. Now everybody's getting set again. There's 45 seconds remaining. And now McCord takes the snap, and he's looking to his left, and he finds Anthony Rightly, but Rightly just unable to dive back to the ball. And now the Marauders have 37 seconds to go about 75 yards and try to score a touchdown or just some points for that matter. Yeah, the Marauders got the pass rush just enough to force Kyle McCord to step up and make the throw a split second early. Just offline, Anthony Rightly was wide open inside the 15-yard line. So that's a shame for the Hawks' offense. They weren't able to pick that up. But with so little time left, they're hoping their defense can make a hold. And the Marauders trot back out onto the field. Make sure you stay tuned for Hawk Talk at the half. Thomas Abington and Charlie Murray are standing by. That is bound to be a great show for the 15-minute intermission. As Maynard comes out in the shotgun, two receivers to his left as the handoff goes to Sumney, but he's met by Nick Beaker or Miles Talley. And now it's going to be second and six for the Marauders. Yeah, Sanchez Prep continuing to stop the run at the line of scrimmage. And St. Peter's is playing it pretty conservative, not trying to risk an interception. And I'd be surprised if they even snapped the ball again before the half expires. And they are not going to do that as both teams are heading for the tunnels. So we're going to be at halftime with St. Joe's Prep knotted up at seven with St. Peter's Prep. Stay tuned for Hawk Talk at the half. Thomas Abbotton and Charlie Murray are going to hop on the mics and break down all of the action that happened here in the first half. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned.
Hi, this is Mr. Petrozelli, principal of St. Joe's Prep, and you're listening to WSJP. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second edition of Hawk Talk, Hawk Talk at the Half for the 2018-2019 season. I'm your host, Thomas Abington, alongside my great friend, Charlie Murray, and we're live at High Point Solution Stadium on the campus of Rutgers University, where the prep is tied with St. Peter's Prep 7-7 of the, against the against the Marauders, Charlie. What were your thoughts about the first half, and what stats really spoke out to you? Well, I'll tell you what. St. Joe's Prep really had um, some good running game going on in the first half. Colby Burrell really just got it started. You know, he had um, he has ten rushes for fifty-one yards so far, but he did get taken off the field at the end of the near the end of the half because he got tackled pretty hard by um, a St. Peter's Prep player. So I think that's a good. Oh, good start for them there. They're also having an okay game passing. McCord is only seven for three for uh, 35 yards, but you know I think I think he'll get it started in the second half and really make a statement. And um, you know Freeman is leading St. Joe's Prep in receiving yards with 22. So the passing game is not really there as much as it is on the St. Peter's Prep side, but um, I think they'll get that started in the second half. Yeah, it seemed like in the beginning of the game the Hawks were. Uh, where they were trying to go to Kobe Burrell a lot, and it seems like they weren't getting a whole lot of traction. But once they started to uh, have some variety into their plays, it seemed he got to get he got going. He's getting around five yards, five yards until he until he uh, went to the sideline to get checked. We're not exactly sure uh, what he went down with, but he we we saw that he got he got uh, he got grabbed by the shoulder pads, and he got absolutely. Slammed it. It looked like a WWE move. <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. a Monday Night Raw out here. Uh, yeah, but it was it was a it was a decent half uh, for the Hawks. They needed to improve on something. The O line was something that just really what it it just wasn't that effective towards the end. It seemed uh, it ended a couple drives for the Hawks because they were getting McCord has been sacked a good amount of times. Uh, he's he's been getting out of trouble, but sometimes. You just can't get around it. Sometimes those guys just get to you really quick. But all, the O-line is without uh, Brad Harris, and they're also without R.J. McKee. So, Charlie, do you think that'll be uh, do you think that'll be a factor in the second half? Yeah, definitely. I think the offensive line is really going to be a big part, obviously, of this game with McCord already getting sacked twice. But I think for the rest of the season we'll see that maybe not be a problem, but it'll be something we always look at because – the, this um, offensive line for St. Joe's Prep is pretty young, and then we already have two two guys who are already young already out, so it's like we're even more short on um, good players who are really um, experienced. So there are, the team, the offensive line is already young, and adding some few injuries, that makes it even more complicated for them. So it really makes it hard for McCord to really get anything going when he doesn't have much time. He always has to worry about his offensive line, but – I think they can get it done this game. I think they'll turn it up. You know, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna get a stern talking to it in uh, the locker room by their coaches. But you know, I think that's something we'll have to watch not only for the rest of this game but for the rest of the season. Yeah, this is a big learning curve for McCord because uh, if he's trying to make he's if he's trying to I know he has a lot of scholarships and he's gonna play there. He's trying to start there, get a full scholarship. He already got he's got a lot of those full scholarships. But he's got to perform if he wants to keep those scholarships. And also if he wants to make the league, you're not always going to have that offensive line that's always going to protect you. A lot of these quarterbacks in the NFL, 
Uh, a lot of them get injured, just like uh, the Colts. Uh, Andrew Luck's a perfect example. That guy's one of the top five quarterback in the league talent-wise, and he's always injured. But also, you need to protect McCord because he he can only do so much. Uh, you need to get it, there's a combination. That's the combination of offense. If you give the, a sufficient amount of blocking, it, McCord will find his guys, and also it would help out um, help out Mark Marquez Mason and Colby Burrell because those guys they'll find the holes if they're there. They'll 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 find the spots, but only if the offensive line makes those holes. So I think I think that'll be really important for that O line, but and also the St. Peter's uh, D line is they're just they're really big and they're really they can get through the line really easily. So I th- just as you said, I think they'll get a stern talking to. Uh, Charlie, what what was your whole what was your opinion about the defense this whole half for the prep? Uh, well, I mean, for St. Joe's prep, their defense has been going pretty well. They got, I mean, they got a lot of tackles, 21 tackles. They got two sacks. That's the same as St. Joe's or St. Peter's prep. But um, you know, they have a, they have one penalty, which is the only penalty of the whole game, which um, isn't bad. But you know, you got to cut down on penalties, I guess. But it happens sometimes. It's just a little mental mistake. But and um, they also have um. One recovered fumble off of the punt, so they're just—they're really getting it to um, not only the quarterback, but all special teams are really coming through. So I think um, the St. Joe's prep defense is really just all around making plays. Everybody's really just making plays for themselves. Trotter already has five tackles that leads the team at half, so I'm—I'm I'm sure he'll be a big part of this second half, really making tackles and commanding the defense. And, um, yeah, so all-around good performance in the first half by the Hawks' defense. Yeah, I think the D-line's playing, playing pretty well. But the one critique or the one criticism I would have of the defense is definitely the secondary. They've given up one, 127 passing yards uh, for the first half for a high school team is kind of ridiculous if you think about it because St. Peter's, for only scoring seven points, their quarterback has 127 yards. So, so it, it looks like that the Hawks are really – are really stopping them where when they need to, um, but they get they it is it is tied. But thank God the the prep they actually scored once. But I, this this defense will this will thrive in the Catholic League. But against teams like this, uh, it'll it'll be enough. But I don't feel like it'll be definitely overpowered. Uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen anything spectacular from this secondary except for Anthony Wrightley. The starting the starting safety blocking that blocking that punt and that's not really a secondary type of thing when it comes to passing. Um, so yeah, but also I think that the D line needs to step up a little bit. Uh, it, the running game for St. Peter's getting a little bit too comfortable out there. So I think that would be really important for the Hawks if they. I think they'll definitely get a certain talking to. I think the whole team just needs a little bit of a wake up call. I think last week they were like, okay, we, we are competing with the Saint. Well, they kind of lost their mojo after those three lightning delays, and so they're just out of a rhythm right now. They didn't, they didn't even play a whole game. It's been how – how many months has it been? It's since December. So it's been not nine months since they played a full full game of football. Uh, that's not a scrimmage. Um, so it's, it's just definitely an adjustment, and I, I think that they need to – I think that they need. This was the wake-up call they needed, but 
Uh, I think a bigger wake-up call would have been if St. Peter's just completely ran ran up the score, but they're not doing that. St. Peter's isn't totally running over the Hawks. The Hawks are still competing, but also I I think the St. St. Peter's prep is a little better. What, how do you, what do you think, Charlie? Yeah, well, I mean, the St. Peter's prep offense is really dominated in the secondary areas, and um, you know, even though it's not like you said, it even though they we're lucky for it to be tied right now because the team, uh, the St. Peter's prep is really coming through and just dominating, but they're not they're not getting down the field all the way. They're they're being stopped a lot on third down, which is good. And um, you know St. Joe's prep needs to continue that. They're kind of in a, like a bend, but don't break. They only broke once and gave up a touchdown. But the um, overall, I think um, you know the St. Joe's prep defense has really played well, and I just think um, along with um, the St. Peter's prep offense, like just clicking, everything's really turning on for them. Even the the one good thing is that uh, for St. Joe's prep is that the run game really hasn't gotten going for um, St. Peter's prep. But um, overall, I think the air attack is going to continue for St. Peter's because they've been getting their yards there, and they've, that's how they've been scoring. So I think they're going to continue to do that in the second half. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Maynard has just been so much more effective than McCord has when it comes – when it comes to the passing game uh, in the pocket, and also Maynard, uh, he's a, he's a little bit mobile. Not McCord, I coming into the year, I was under the impression that Kyle McCord was going to be this pocket passer, um, but he's he's really not. He um, he can also make the run. You saw a lot of those times where there's the whole side of the field open, so he's going to get those nine ten yards. But the difference between these QBs is just the performance is kind of is just kind of crazy right now. Because Maynard and McCord, their stats are just so different. Um, they they both been sacked twice, but McCord's interception was I I don't even know what was going in his head that play. I think maybe there was some kind of miscommunication between the wideout and and uh, McCord on that play, but it was just comp- nowhere near. There it it was just all he I think he threw it to the wrong team. Uh, he he definitely did throw it to the wrong team, but it looked like he was. He was targeting St. Peter's defender, and because it was about there was about a five-yard distance right there, which I guess you make mistakes, but with games like these, you can't afford to make these. Maybe against if you're playing um, teams, maybe like Carroll or Ryan or Judge, like these teams that you know you can beat. Uh, but against St. Peter's prep, where you, this game, this game, this isn't a guaranteed win. This game is tied. It's just. Just throw away the throw away this first half. Well, we're still going to talk about it, even though we're going to throw it away. Basically, the game's zero zero. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's just been an interesting game. It's just been a defensive oriented game. There's been a, a whole lot of mistakes on both ends of the field. Um, just punting. The whole reason the the Hawks scored was because of that blocked punt, and also there and for the Hawks. They threw an interception, and then St. Peter scored off of off of that. And then, yeah, it's just been a lot of mistakes have been um, they've been leading to the scores. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what you said about McCord. I mean, there's been there's been multiple uh, occasions I've seen where that um, you know there there might have been some miscommunication between uh, McCord and the wide receivers. We saw it a couple times with uh, 
Anthony rightly running a comeback route, but the pass was just not really anywhere it was supposed to be at. And then we saw another one, obviously that interception that looked like it was like a, a pass that was right to the cornerback. It looked like it was a design play right to the quarterback, but cornerback, but um, yeah, obviously it wasn't. But um, I think there's just that's part of the, the learning curve. You know, he's this is really his first season uh, as a starting quarterback. He's really trying to just figure out the nuisances between him and his um, his wide receivers. So you know, there's going to be some instances where we see some miscommunications but I think that's just part of him learning this new offense and really just like becoming part of this team getting good camaraderie with his players so um, we'll look out for that in the second half see if we see any more of those and but overall I think um, the passing game has been all right for St. Joe's prep but it's definitely going to need to be turned up to another level this uh, the second half yeah he he's definitely been performing at an all right level he's he hasn't done anything terrible except for that interception, which. But he, they're not really getting into a mojo. They're not getting a whole lot of snaps per possession. They're they only have around I think it's just a, around 26 snaps or no it was uh, 19, 19 19 snaps. So it's 19 snaps in the first half. It's just not a lot, and you you gotta you gotta work you gotta work on just getting getting those first downs. The Hawks have not been getting their first downs. They've been getting, and it seems like they're going. They've gone. They've gone for it on fourth down on a multitude of occasions. So I think that they just need to get some first downs, even that if that means running it three times just to get three yards three times, and maybe one time you get a fourth. So if you, if you just need the ball, and if you have the ball, anything can happen. Happen in football. That's the. That's. It's just like any other sport. If anything can happen in basketball if you have the ball, um, but that's a little different because you can t- you can put seven points on the board in football, and that's a whole. There's a whole lot of ways to get seven points in football. Uh, you could go a field goal, two safeties. Um, just there's a whole lot of ways that you can just get points in this game, and they just they need to get into the field field goal range. And but I don't. I feel like they don't trust their kick their kickers enough. Uh, they've been going on fourth down a lot in in the red zone, and that just hasn't been working. But all and also, I I think McCord to rightly or not rightly, uh, Johnny Freeman it should be something that I think Johnny Freeman should be getting t- at least ten targets a game. He hasn't been getting those targets. He only has he only has two he only has two two catches. So I think McCord needs to go to Freeman. I, that that's your top guy. That's your number. Your number one receiver, and you just need to go to him. And he's very reliable. Uh, he's got 11 yards per catch, two for he two catches, 22 yards. So you know that he can make those lengthy catches, and he has that, and he has that touchdown. So he's one of the, he's he's the reason that the Hawks are on the board. And not, I wouldn't say out of the game, but it's you being on the board, having seven seven is very different from zero zero. I know I said that you can completely just get rid of the first half. Uh, score-wise, because it's still tied, but also it gives you confidence that you've got the points on the board. You know that Freeman can catch the ball, and you know that McCord can make that pass. And so, Charlie, what do you what do you really think? What stood out, and what do you think that the Hawks can really improve on for the second half? And and what, do you think they can win this game? 
Well, yeah, I think the Hawks definitely have a chance at winning this game. And, you know, I think they really have to get their air attack going. They need to get some passes up and, um, up and over these defenders because, you know, I think McCord really is just lagging on where to put the um, put the ball at. It hasn't just really it really hasn't been good ball placement by him, and because he only has um, uh, three completions the whole game for 42 percent, so he's not really firing on that kind of cylinder. But if Kobe Burrell returns to this game, it looks like he will. But um, he uh, he did like he got tackled and got hurt a little bit, so. We'll see if he comes back or not, but he's had a great game so far. Um, uh, he has uh, 10 rushes for 51 yards. So, um, you know, he's really just been – I think if they keep that run game going, then the St. Joe's Prep Hawks will have a, a real chance at winning this game. All right. Thank you, Charlie. And with that, we're going to take a break here on Hawks at, at half, and we're going to bring on John Pease and Ricky Weave for the call of the second half. Make sure to follow us on Twitter – at SAP Broadcasting and NSA Prep underscore Sports for live updates on scores and stats. The prep, the prep is tied with St. Peter with the St. Peter St. Peter's Prep Mar- Marauder seven to seven. I'm Thomas Abington alongside Charlie Murray. Uh, stay tuned for the second half.
Dennis Hart, Director of Athletics at St. Joe's Prep. You're listening to WSJP, your home for prep athletics. Welcome back to the birthplace of college football. I am Ricky Weeps, and as the seconds wind down here at halftime, we're going to send it down to our sideline reporter, John Leuzzi, who has an update for us on Jeremiah Trotter and Kyle McCord. John, take it away. Thank you so, thank you so much, Ricky. You know, I, during halftime, I want to go talk to, to Kyle McCord's dad, Derek, and I asked him, what is the, what has what has he been seeing out of his son throughout this year? But also, what what does he feel that his son has an offer from Rutgers University, where he played, and also playing on the same field as him? And this is what he had to say to me. It's a great feeling that my boy developed the same passion for the game of football that I had. It is a blessing for Kyle to play for a top-notch program to have the opportunity to play on Rutgers field. And, you know, some great storylines that we're going to see throughout this entire year from McCord just growing and developing his style of play. Uh, he's going to be the starter for the varsity team here for St. Joe's Prep for about three years now. And then back to our injury update. Kyle McJeremiah Trotter was being worked out by his dad, Jeremiah Trotter Sr., as before the team came back onto the field from the locker room. And he was just basically working working on his quad and trying to get him stretching going. Maybe a little tough, little bit tightness in that quad as he was in he didn't play last week against St. Francis, but Kobe Burrell was on the bicycle as the game second half was about to start. Looks to be looks good, right? Looks good. So hopefully he can be on the offense for St. Joe's Prep when the offense comes back out onto the field. Let's send it back upstairs to you guys. Thank you for that, John. And Campbell's kickoff to start the second half was caught at the 15-yard line by a year. Asante bobbled a little bit, but he was he managed to cut it back upfield, up the middle, to about the Marauders' 40-yard line. So good field position to start the second half. Both teams coming out tied up, one touchdown apiece, and the extra points. So 7-7 is our score as Masai Maynard comes out and tries to get get their offense going like it was on their first drive of the game. Yeah, definitely. A lot of struggles recently. Just not being able to run the balls hurt the offense overall. And, you know, St. Joe's Prep, I'm sure they're going to try and build off that and continue to bring pressure. Somebody gets the handoff up the middle. He breaks through the linebacking core and into the secondary, but then he's brought down by Nick Rios, but not after he picked up the first down. So now they're driving into Hawks' territory only after one play from scrimmage here in the second half. And now they're at the Hawks' 45-yard line, going from our right to our left, crossing the big red R, representing the Rutgers University Scarlet Knights, part of the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly what they wanted to do, a nice run up the middle. And Sanchez Prep going to be interesting to see how they can regroup after that, giving up the big run. Sante moves from left to right in motion, but the handoff goes to Sumney. He breaks through the front seven again and picks up another chunk of yards, about 12. And they get the chains moving again. And now the Marauders finding some some good good yardage opportunities through the run game. What I noticed on that run was the entire every single linebacker collapsed into the middle right on the center just like the defensive line leaving the kind of over where the tackle position wide open for a big rushing lane and Anthony Wrightley did a good job catching up to the back to bring him down from behind now Mayner in the pistol formation Sumney his back two receivers to his left one is moving to his right now as the handoff goes back to Sumney but he's met in the backfield by Trotter 
and some more prep defenders follow his lead as he's brought down behind the line. And the Hawks did a good job of telegraphing that handoff and stopping it before it could get past the line of scrimmage. Jeremiah just comes right around the edge completely unblocked and is able to get there and joined by a couple other Hawks defenders able to make a team tackle on the back in the backfield for a loss of two yards. Great play by the Hawks defense. Second and 12 now for the Marauders at the Hawks' 35-yard line. Just two minutes have gone past here in the third quarter as Maynard in the shotgun with a running back to his right. Sumney, he drops back. He looks to throw it deep, and it's caught by number 11. That is Byron Shipman, and he's going to bring it down inside the five-yard line. What a play by the 6-2 receiver. Simply put, Zach Bogue just there, you know, adjusted to the short passes, trying to play in front of the receiver, and finally St. Peter's Prep dials up the long ball at the right time. He's beaten downfield, and that's a big play for St. Peter's Prep to get inside the five already. St. Peter's hasn't targeted Bogus all night, but they decided to go after him on the first drive of the game. And now two receivers to Mainers left, one back behind him in the pistol, Asante moving left to right, and the handoff goes to Sumney. Sumney puts his helmet down, but is stopped by a brick wall of prep linebackers, and they're going to lose a yard there. So now it's going to be second and goal from the three-yard line. That's what you like to see there from the prep defensive line and linebackers. They surrounded him on both sides, giving no way to turn around, and they're actually not going to give him the forward progress at the two because he tried to spin out of that tackle, which is extremely fortunate for the prep's defense. A great job by containing him and not letting him get to the sideline. And now St. Peter's brings on a few more players to help block, most notably tight end Ben Silver. As everybody goes to the right side, Maynard's going to take the snap and roll to the right. A designed quarterback run that is broken up by Jeremiah Trotter yet again, pushing the mobile quarterback out of bounds. And they're going to lose another yard. So now it's third and goal from the five-yard line, and the Hawks could really use a goal line stand right about now. Talk about the impact one player can make on a team. Last week, Central's prep defense struggled to stop the run. They couldn't have stopped up the middle. They couldn't have stopped up the sidelines. But Jeremiah Trotter is out here playing as hard as he can, making the tackles, and it is paying off. Trotter looking a lot like his father, Jeremiah Trotter Sr., who is the star linebacker for the Eagles. Six and a half tackles also for Jeremiah Trotter so far in this one, which truly incredible as... There's going to be a timeout called by St. Peter's. And St. Peter's going to talk some strategy here. but And we're also going to take a quick break here on WSJP as St. Joe's Prep tries to stop the Marauders in their tracks deep in their own red zone. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Father John Swope, class of 72 and president of St. Joseph's Prep. And you are listening to WSJP. This is Mr. Patrononi, English teacher and golf coach. Hope you're enjoying the golden voices of the best crew in radio. WSJP, Prep Sports Radio. Welcome back to Rutgers University, where St. Joe's Prep is trying to make a goal line stand here against the Marauders of St. Peter's Prep. The score is knotted up at 7-7, and this could be a difference maker here. 
as it's third and five from the Hawks' five-yard line, and Coach Infante is going to talk to his defense yet again just after Marauders call a timeout. So now St. Joe's Prep does the same, and this is really going to be an impactful play here for both teams, John, because if the Marauders do not come out with a touchdown on this play, they're going to be have to force to make a decision. Do they want to go for the end zone again with with the with the negative of turning it over, or do they want to put the hand, put the trust in the hands of senior kicker Justin Capararo? Well, I think there the reason that Coach Infante called that timeout was over in the slot. You had Anthony Wrightley, a first-year defensive player, on the number one receiver for St. Peter's Prep, Chase Jones. So I think St. Joe's Prep definitely trying to prevent that. His Wrightley, a very first time he's played on defense, came in as a quarterback, switched to receiver, now a safety. Definitely want to kind of let him soak into the position more before you're putting him in this kind of situation. Well, Rightly already had a big play earlier in tonight's game, blocking a punt that resulted in a later Hawks touchdown. So Rightly certainly no stranger to the big play, but he's back in the slot again as two tight ends come onto the field for the Marauders. Those positioned to Mainers left. They hand it off to Sumney. Sumney puts his head down, and he will truck his way into the end zone for a touchdown St. Peter's prep, and they get back on top here with 8.51 remaining in the third quarter. And now Capararo is going to come out to attempt the extra point here, but Sumney was really a focal point of this drive for St. Pete's, and he really finished that drive for them. Yeah, I just don't think that Sanchez Prep was really expecting a run at all there. Linebackers spread out trying to cut this slant route off, and it turned out well for their offense. So the extra point is up and good. And with that, we're going to send it down to our sideline reporter, John Leuzzi. John, what did you see on that drive? Well, guys, coming out of that timeout by St. Joe's Prep, I certainly didn't. I agree with you, John, that they did not think a run call was going to be called by the St. Peter's offense. They thought it was going to be passed. So there, therefore, there was a little hole open right between Giambi Nesbitt and Jeremiah Trotter for Sumney to go through and Really, somebody was able to get through just thanks to a big block from this center, Mike Giordano. And right now, they're, the, the, the Marauders are up on top against the Hawks, and the Hawks' offense are going to have to continue that momentum they had in, that late, in the late of the second quarter if they want to get back onto this game. So will send it back upstairs to you guys in the booth. Thank you for that, John. And the Marauders, as we mentioned earlier in the broadcast, only up 6 to nothing at the half over Millville last week and came out firing on all cylinders, scoring 23 unanswered points, and they came out with the victory there. And hopefully that doesn't happen here to the Hawks as they get set to receive for the first time this half. Yeah, they're a team that likes to just pick up tempo when they're hot, and St. Joe's Prep, I think they could use a nice methodical drive. Mason catches it at the 15-yard line. He runs up the middle, finds a few holes, and gets it all the way near the 50-yard line. They're going to mark him at the 46 on the Hawks' side of the field, going from our left to our right. And now McCord is going to have to rally his troops here and try and respond after a great methodical drive, as you mentioned, by the Marauders. Yeah, I think McCord out here, he knows he's made a couple bad throws in that first half. He needs to come out. He has to be on target when he's got a receiver downfield. Needs to hit him because St. Joe's Prep, they're in a battle right now. You know, a lot of people predict this to be a high-scoring game because the youth of the two defenses going at it, but so far the defense has been locked down pretty much for both teams, so he's going to have a hard time out there, but he's got to make good decisions. And the Hawks go two running backs here 
to start the drive. Marcus Mason moved out into the slot. Colby Burrell behind McCord, now motion to his side. And the handoff's going to go to Burrell, but he's stuffed in the backfield. And that, that was number 30, Cody Simon, with another tackle for a loss. And he basically read that play like a book there, John. Yeah, that's an RPO kind of play for McCord, and he just makes the wrong read, hands it off, and then if he keeps that, there's a lot more they could do. So Kyle McCord, just the inexperience kind of a factor in this one going against this defense. Now four receivers for the Hawks, two on each side. Now Mason moves from right to left, second and long for the Hawks as McCord gets ready for the snap. He takes it. He looks to his left. Now he looks to air it out, steps up in the pocket, and throws it just low for Marcus Mason. So now it's going to be third and long for the Hawks. And McCord was facing some heavy pressure there in the backfield, had to step up and pretty much rely all on his arm as he threw off his front foot. Yeah, definitely. Some great rush there from this defensive line for St. Peter's Prep. Only one returning starter, and they don't even bring a blitz play. They run a cover one, all their safeties spread out, linebackers in coverage, and they're still able to get to McCord and force a bad, not even a bad throw, just no one was open. So this defense looks really strong, and St. Joe's Prep, they're going to have to start getting creative with what they're going to do to move the ball. Marauders looked like they were going to come out and cover one here on third and long, but now they move back Christian LeBron. As McCord takes the snap in the pocket, throws it to Colby Burrell, running a post up the middle, but it's going to be broken up by Simon as he was coming to the ground. And Colby Burrell is standing there astonished at the call. He really thought he came down with that one. Yeah, I did too. To me, it looks like seeing on the replay, he brings it in, falls to the ground, tackled by the defender, and that ball came out really late. But tough angle from up here. I'm surprised that wasn't ruled a catch. Looking at the replay system on the scoreboard here at Rutgers University, it looked like he was down by contact before the ball even came out after, but it was really hard to rest for the rest to see it because he was rolling around on the ground. Now Jack Sutton is going to come out to punt this ball away. Clean snap, and the kick is off to a year Sante, and it's going to roll inside the 20, and Burgess is going to let it roll inside the 10, and now it's they're trying to wave it into the 5, and it's picked up by Tyreek Jones-Garland. At the six-yard line, so now the Hawks are coming out and looking to fire on all cylinders, maybe try to get a safety here with the Marauders backed, backed up deep into their own end zone. An absolutely great punt there from the all-Catholic Jack Sutton. To, after that offensive start, to start at the 46-yard line, they lost seven yards that drive, and it looked like for sure St. Peter's Prep would be getting pretty solid field position. Well, not if Sutton had anything to say about it, and if he pins them, at the six-yard line, an absolutely great play and gives Sancho's prep defense a lot of room to make a stand. And now Miles Talley checks into the game for the linebacking core. Cooper Kim lines up on, as a defensive lineman. And now the defensive line doing a little dance moves as Sumney takes the handoff, and he breaks through the line into the open field. And he is going to go press the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10. Touchdown, St. Peter's prep. A 94-yard touchdown by Anthony Sumney, the senior. What a run. That is just the opposite of what you want to happen. When you give them such bad field position, you got to go up there. You have to make a stand, try and at least get some stops, and then just runs the ball right down the middle of the defense. Zach Bogus diving tackle attempt, just not too short, and uh, over a really tough break for St. Joe's Prep Hawks defense right there. But a great run from Sumney. 
Well, the Hawks put everybody on the defensive line and nobody really in the box as the extra point is up and good. And we're going to send it down to our sideline reporter, John Liuzzi. John, what did you see on that run by Summy? The unbe- first off, unbelievable run by Summy. 94-yard touchdown. Un- really, un- not, You really don't see that a lot here in the high school football. Uh, and they just got the, a lot of blocks from, from the offensive line. St. Joe's prep was not looking for a run play. They were, look- they had- they were looking for a pass because they-, they were not able to stop for them. Hawks certainly in some trouble right now, down by 14 points with 7.30 remaining here in the third quarter. Still a lot of time for the Hawks to come back into this game, but it all starts right now. With Sorry to cut you off there, John. little technical difficulty with the button pressing here on the new Chromebooks. So now St. Joe's prep, after a great punt by Sutton, are in a 14-point hole now as the Marauder student section is waving their pirate flag high and proud in the air. Now the Hawks need to get some rhythm going on offense. Maybe do you think they'll go back to the hurry-up they were running into the second quarter? Well, I think they're going to have to. You know, being down 14-7 to and 21-7, to obviously two very different tasks, especially, but if there's one uh, positive takeaway from the defense giving up the points so fast is that McCord's coming out still hot. As Bogus takes it on the left side of the field, he breaks it all the way to the right sideline, and he's going to be marked out at about the 43, and a flag is thrown. Some yellow by the officials, some extra contact by the Marauders, and that's going to give the Hawks some even better field position. And special teams has really been a high point for the Hawks. They've been getting it done on the punt unit, blocking the punt, and even getting good field position on the kickoff returns to start. The only problem is they've had a few too many kickoff returns in this game so far. Yeah, Ricky, as you would say, some extracurricular activity going on down on the Hawks' sideline. A late hit out of bounds is the call, and that's a big 15 yards for this offense after an already good return to add 15 on top of that. They're going to be in great field position, and in a chance, they're going to have a chance to strike quick. And now the Hawks are trotting all the way onto the other side in the Marauder territory at the 44-yard line. McCord in the shotgun. Marcus Mason to his right. Tyreek Jones-Garland checks into the game in the slot to McCord's left next to Jack Sutton and Marvin Harrison. Johnny Freeman one-on-one on McCord's right. McCord takes the snap, looks to his left, and he's going to throw it to Marvin Harrison on the slant. Harrison is going to pick up nine there on the catch, and that's the first reception we've seen from Harrison in his Prep Hawks career. Yeah, Harrison, a guy at St. Francis, just had really no impact on the game. But to come out here, nothing in the first half, just able to get open on a quick little slant down the middle and a nine-yard completion. Now McCord looking for Harrison again, but now he's going to roll out as four linemen swarm him. He's going to launch it downfield to Harrison well out of bounds. Harrison makes the catch at the 10, but he is well past the, the white line there on the side. That's a good play by McCord there because he knows nothing's going to happen, so he's got to get out of the pocket, can't take a sack and get the ball away. Only in high school there still has to be a receiver in the area. It can't just be past the line of scrimmage. So a good job to make sure to know where Marvin Harrison would be and just Eric way out of bounds over there to make sure you know he had enough receiver. Max Fisher and Jack McGeever come on as extra blockers for the Hawks as the ball goes to Mason. Mason breaks through the line and then some. He's going to move the chains here for the Hawks and pick up the first down. And now they're at a, just past the 30-yard line of the Marauders. And they're going to get back 
in a ready position fairly quickly here as Mason stays on the field. Harrison on McCord's left and Johnny Freeman well down the field on McCord's right. With Kobe Brawl hurt, you wonder if you could see Brahim Barr on the field. As on the slant, Johnny Freeman catches it well over Adonis McGee, and he breaks the tackle and brings it all the way inside the five. Great athleticism there by Johnny Freeman to not only catch the ball, but then run after the catch after being hit brutally a few times by the Marauders. But the Hawks are going to set up shop really quickly again. Two receivers, one to each side from McCord, and he's going to hand it off to Mason. Mason is swarmed by the defenders. J.J. Skokoko was the one who initially made the hit on Mason, and Mason looks a little shaken up there. On that Johnny Freeman catch, though, highlighting that, catches the ball at the 15, takes a ginormous hit right to the body as soon as he brings it in. Not only is he able to hold on to the ball, but rushes for 10 after the catch to get the Hawks to the 5 end. The run didn't work out, but still second and goal from only the five-yard line. It's a good look for this offense, and they've got to capitalize here in a big way. Second and five, or goal rather, for the Hawks. They're looking to rebound after giving up a 96-yard run. And Colby Burrell takes the handoff. He weasels his way through the offensive line and into the end zone. Touchdown, St. Joe's prep. And they certainly responded with a great drive. And Colby Burrell with the touchdown carry, and now the Hawks are within striking distance now, and it's only a one-possession game. Yeah, what impresses me the most about Colby Burrell is his ability to take contact and not let it disrupt his run even a little bit, able to still do the jukes, takes a hit to the side, and just still cuts back through like nothing happened, then fights through a tackle as he falls into the end zone. A great run by Burrell, and Sanchez prep back within one possession after the extra point. Just a key moment in that game. And now with 5.39 remaining, John Layuzzi was right behind the goalpost there when Colby Burrell made that run to cross the plane and put six on the board. John, what a drive by the Hawks to respond. Certainly a well-needed drive to respond for the Hawks on offense after a not-so-great first drive on offense for the Hawks in this second half. Colby Burrell, big storyline on offense for this entire game for the Hawks. Certainly he gets his first touchdown of the day, first touchdown of the season. Big touchdown for the Hawks on offense just to build the momentum. But going back to that touchdown drive by the Hawks, Johnny Freeman able to work again with Kyle McCord. Freeman and McCord are going to be some scary, scary uh, connections in the Catholic League when that starts up in a couple weeks. But Kobe Brown was able to go into the end zone right from my vantage point thanks to a big block from junior offensive lineman Casey Stevenson. Big game. And a big start as the Hawks get ready to kick off with the Marauders. And a big drive coming up yet again for the Hawks defense. We'll send it back upstairs to you guys. Thank you, John. And the short kick is fielded by Asante off a bounce, and he's going to bring it all the way down the left sideline to the Hawks' 45-yard line. And now the Marauders are going to set up shop on the other side of the field. And they're looking to get some distance here on the scoreboard as now it's Back to a one-possession game, 21-14 in favor of the Marauders. That can't happen on special teams right there. To give the ball to them at their own at St. Joe's Prep's 44-yard line. They've got to find a way after the touchdown. Got to get out there. Got to make the tackle inside the 20, really. A lot of teams you'll see do that, and they come out and not only don't do that, but they allow the huge return, and St. Peter's Prep right back out there with good room to operate. We're going to need a big stop from the defense. And now Maynard comes out. In the pistol with Kyrie Parker as his running back. 
the year Asante sent in the motion. And now he's going to get the handoff. And it's going to go for about six yards there on the carry. So second and four. Good job there by Anthony Wrightley to get in and make the tackle on the run game. Got to keep those runs to a minimum, and that's what the Hawks are going to try and do here. Got to force Maynard to keep throwing the ball. I know he beat us last possession, but he's kind of the guy who hasn't done too much this game to back up his resume, and Sanchez Travis got to force him to, into some tough decisions, make some big throws downfield, as last year we picked him off three times. Maynard two sack, has been sacked twice on the day as Kyrie Robinson has swarmed at the line of scrimmage for a loss. So now it's going to be second and six for the Marauders. But as you mentioned, John, Masai Maynard had four interceptions all of last season. Three of those came at Quick Stadium against the Hawks. So he's definitely learned Coach Infante's defensive scheme, and he's been putting on a pretty decent showing tonight, going 12-15 for 159 yards. Yeah, and on that run play, great job again by Jeremiah Trotter and the rest of the defense to get in there, stop the run in the backfield. That's what we expect to see from them when a team tries to run it up the gut. The Hawks are loading the line, leaving the box empty. And now Messiah Maynard is going to take the snap, look to his right, and he's looking for Chase Jones. As It looks like he comes down with the catch. Nick Rios in the coverage there. And it's actually a year Asante with the comeback route and the first down for the Marauders. Yeah, Overall, good coverage there by Nick Rios. Just a better throw and a better catch by Ayer Asante. Rios late to arrive. Just doesn't get his hand quite in. And a good receiver like Ayer Asante is going to penalize him for that and make the catch, move the chains. Really interesting coverage because Zach Bogers has pretty much been shadowing Ayer Asante all game. And he's been kept quiet by Bogus as Asante's moving the Mainers left. And Maynard is going to hold on to the quarterback option, and he's going to bring it all the way down to the left sideline, cut it back, and meet Cooper Kim at the 15-yard line, and then push forward into the red zone. Masai Maynard making great senior decisions out there, waiting till the last possible second on the quarterback option. Yeah, just on this drive, St. and the last one, St. Peter's prep, running the ball, and they're running with efficiency. Another great run by Maynard, and... A late flag thrown by the official. Not sure what that was, but official just dropped his flag. Hmm. Looks like he needs some new pants. Losing his, losing the flag through the pocket, but so no call. It's going to be first and ten at the Hawks' 12-yard line. The Hawks need to make a stand here and try and keep this at a one-possession game with 3:20 remaining in the third quarter. Hawks load the box. Two receivers to Maynard's right as Kyrie Robinson gets the handoff, but Miles Talley with the tackle as Jeremiah Trotter is getting into it a little bit with a lineman for the Marauders. Yeah, Trotter out there having a great game, and but over oh, on that play, Miles Talley, a great job of getting into the backfield and making the tackle from behind, just taking the legs out of Sumney and Sanchez Prep Hawk has to stop that run. It, they're going to go down the sideline and make them, but we haven't even seen St. Peter's Prep try that so far. They're running it up the middle, and St. Peter's Prep has to get better at containing that. St. Peter's Prep has pretty much gotten anything they've wanted in the run game tonight, with the f exception of a few nice plays by the Prep's front seven, as now the defensive line is loaded with players. The handoff goes to Robinson, but Liam Johnson is right there to meet him, and he brings him down for a gain of only one so now third and third and six at the nine-yard line. 
and this could be a huge play for the Hawks' defense if they can keep them out of the end zone. Yeah, nine yards to go here on third and goal. Earlier we saw St. Peter's Prep in a similar position run the ball down the middle, so definitely St. Peter's Prep's going to have to be careful of that. It's most likely a passing scenario, so got to play some coverage and also make sure Masai Manor can't take off and scramble. The Marauders are positioned on the left hash mark. One-on-one coverage with Zach Bogus and Byron Shipman. 6-2 against 5-10, and the handoff goes to Summy. Summy runs it up the middle, one touched, and into the end zone. Touchdown St. Peter's Prep. They went back to their bread-and-butter play, and it got them six more points on the board. I, I don't understand how that happens. Not even run to the sideline, just runs it right up the middle, completely untouched. Sancho's prep once again caught sitting in pass coverage, and it's really hurt them. And now they're going to get ready for the extra point to go ahead by two scores here, 142 remaining. We're going to take a quick break after the extra point here as the kick is muffed at the line, a bad snap, and it's going to be no good on the extra point. So we're going to take a quick break here on WSJP, but when we return, the rest of the third quarter of action between the Hawks and the Marauders a 13-point game that you don't want to miss. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill Abington, Class of 90, Director of Communications and proud moderator of WSJP, the voice of St. Joseph's Prep. Hey, this is Coach Infante, and you're listening to WSJP, the home of prep football. Welcome back to High Point Solution Stadium on the campus of Rutgers University. I'm Ricky Weeks alongside John Pease, and St. Joe's Prep is currently losing 27-14 against the Marauders of St. Peter's Prep. This is part of the Battle on the Banks showcase games here up in New Brunswick, New Jersey, as St. Joe's Prep gets ready to receive the kickoff, Marcus Mason catches it around the 20-yard line, brings it back towards the middle, thinks he has a hole, but is brought down at the 32-yard line. And that's where the Hawks are going to have to take over and try to respond yet again. It hasn't really been the offense, John, that's been the problem. It's more been the defense here in the second half. Yeah, and it's just been stopping the run. It's as simple as that. One of the last, last week against St. Francis, you know, it was such a problem. We thought, hey, okay, we've got everything back. We're going to come out, and we're going to stop the run. Jeremiah's back end. They've had so many great plays in the backfield, but when they're not getting to him in the backfield, he's just going up the middle for big gains at a time. Now the Hawks come out. Johnny Freeman and Jack Sutton on McCord's right, and it looks like Anthony Wrightley and Marvin Harrison on his left. It's Marcus Mason in the back. And it's going to be a screen pass to Marvin Harrison. He breaks a tackle, and he breaks it in the open field, past the first down marker, over the 50-yard line, down the left sideline. And he's going to be pushed out of bounds at the Marauder 45-yard line, rather. And now Marvin Harrison starting to feel a flow here with McCord. Two pass receptions, both picking up first downs. And now the Hawks' offense is moving yet again. Yeah, great job by Harrison in the backfield. Breaks the tackle, and that's exactly what they needed. It was Christian LeBron trying to make the play, and great job by, great job overall just getting out and picking up the first down. Mason gets the carry up the middle. He's going to pick up the first and then some. 
It's going to be 14 yards on the carry, and now they're closer to the 30, let's say the 31-yard line. Back-to-back first-down pickups for the Hawks as their offense has really been moving here in the second half. Yeah, definitely a lot better of a game plan out there coming out here. They're catching St. Peter's Prep off guard. In the first half, we saw a lot of, you know, throw deep, doesn't work. Throw short, doesn't work. And now they're coming out, they're finding the right kind of mix of plays. Now McCord's going to hand it off to Burrell, but the play is whistled dead. It's going to be a false start against the Hawks, so five yards back. for That is the last thing you want when you're driving downfield, just contr- avoidable penalties like a false start. I mean, obviously, offensive line, new and inexperienced. Not sure who the flag was thrown on, but got to be better than that on the line. And now it's going to be first and 15 at the 35-yard line. St. Joe's prep down by 13 as we near a minute left to play here in the third quarter. Four receivers, two on each side of McCord as he takes the snap and hands it off to Burrell. Burrell runs up the middle, finds an opening, and gets back past the original line of scrimmage. And a few more yards after that, so now it's going to be second and manageable for the Hawks. Yeah, this is a situation, second down and five. There's so much open in the playbook. You could go for the fade that's worked with Freeman twice this year already into the end zone. That's a callable play. Or you could run the ball and try and pick it up here so that lock they could do. McCord takes the snap, looks to his right, and is looking for Jack Sutton running across the middle. That ball was severely underthrown, and Sutton had no shot at getting to it. And Coach Afonte does not look pleased over there on the sideline. Fortunate that pass wasn't picked off when your receiver's running towards the back right of the end zone and you throw it down the middle. There's a lot that could go wrong with that. And fortunately, there's just no defender in the area to make the play. And Central Prep got to get off that and have to pick up a first down here or make it fourth and manageable. Third and five for the Hawks as McCord tries to go to the hard count, but now gets his signals from the sideline. Two receivers on each side. Mason and Sutton in the slot, and he's going to take the ball and throw it across the middle to Jack Sutton, but it's broken up by Marcus Woodard, the 5'9 cornerback, and Sutton, that was a really catchable ball coming across the middle, but Woodard was just on his back the whole time he was running across the field. Yeah, Sutton, I know that's tough. Great coverage by Woodard, the first the first year starter, two, defensive, two passes defended last week versus Millville, but got to come down with that on the third and five. So now fourth and five for the Hawks. This could be critical the way the Marauders' offense has been bullying the prep. Johnny Freeman and Jack Sutton switch places. Now Freeman's in the slot. As McCord takes the snap, he looks to his left, and he's swarmed by St. Peter's. Three linemen are going to back him up all the way to the 40-yard line, and there's Marcus Woodard yet again. And they just swarmed the sophomore there. He had nowhere to go after looking for his first option. Yeah, just once again, the offensive line allows St. Peter's Prep to get into the backfield. Kyle McCord, no chance on the play. And the offensive line play for St. Joe's Prep is seriously causing some issues for the time McCord's getting. And to go down the field, they had rhythm, drove down, and to have that as a result is very frustrating. And the defense is under a lot of pressure now, I'm sure, to make a play and get the ball back. And now there's eight seconds remaining in the third quarter here. So after this play, we'll probably head to a break as Maynard sets a year Asante into motion. And he's going to hand it off to Summy. Summy breaks through the line but meets the linebacking core. And it looks like Miles Talley was there to wrap him up. 
And with that, we're going to take a quick break here on WSJP with a prep behind 27-14 to against the Marauders. You're listening to WSJP, the St. Joe's Prep Student Broadcasting Club Radio, only on blogtalkradio.com slash WSJP. You're home for Hawks football. More action from Rutgers University when we return. Hi, my name is Father Chuck Federico. I'm the Senior Director for Mission and Ministry here at St. Joe's Prep, and you're listening to WSJP, home of St. Joe's Prep Sports. This is Mr. Duchelle, campus minister for Retreats and Liturgy. You're listening to WSJP, your home for prep sports. Welcome back to the great state of New Jersey, where the Hawks are currently losing 27 to 13, 27 to 14 against the Marauders at St. Peter's Prep. As St. Peter's opens up the fourth quarter with a run to Paul Lefkowski, also known as Bam Bam because of his running style a punishing, powerful running style, and he was only able to pick up one yard on the carry, but that brings it to third and three. Yeah, big guy with a lot of power in his legs behind when he makes those runs, and he's going to go up the middle, big north-to-south runner, and for a team that's really struggling to make tackles with at the front of the defensive line, he's he could cause a lot of problems if they keep giving him the ball. Third and three now. St. Joe's Prep looking to force a three and out as the ball is thrown to Chase Jones, and it's intercepted by Nick Rios, and he's going to bring it all the way down to the 45-yard line. It was broken up by Mike Alexander, and Nick Rios was there to help him out. And now the Hawks force a turnover, and they are looking to score here on this drive and get back to within an arm's-length reach of St. Peter's. That is an awesome play on the sideline there. Great coverage by Alexander, tips the ball up in the air, and Nick Rios in the right place at the right time, brings it in, gets it on the sideline, goes for the return, brought down, but St. Joe's prep offense has life. And Nick Rios had three interceptions last year as a backup safety to Dalton Julius, who's now at Princeton, and Dewan Dandridge, who's getting his first start at Robert Morris tonight. As McCord comes out, he hands it off to Burrell. Burrell looking to punch it to the outside, but is met by the defense of the Marauders right at the line of scrimmage, so... No pick up there, and it's going to be second and ten. What I really think St. Joe's Prep needs to do right now, they got to start throwing the ball. There's, I know there's still 10.56 left, but say they run the ball here, they're milking the clock right now, and they don't get a score, that's going to leave their offense in a really tough position. So I really hope St. Joe's Prep can you know, mix it up a little better here. You know, you've got guys like Marvin Harrison who are having a hot game. He's hot right now. Get the ball in his hands, one-on-one, on the, one-on-one at the end right now. So a lot of options, and... St. Joe's Prep has to capitalize on the interception. St. Joe's Prep on the right hash mark at the 47-yard line. And McCord looks for Johnny Freeman on the slant, and he's going to be right near the first down marker, and it looks like they're going to move the chains here. Great job by Freeman. He's really been McCord's number one target these past two weeks, and he's really come up with some big plays for the prep. Yeah, last season, Johnny Freeman kind of sat behind. He's on the field, but he's sitting behind awesome receivers like Brandon Sanders this year comes out, knows it's his year. He's the number one, and he's playing like it in these past two games. Awesome catches left and right from him, and he's easily McCord's number one target. McCord hands it 
or fakes it to Burrell, rather. He finds Sutton over the middle, and what a pass by McCord to find the leaping Sutton down around the 37-yard line, or 27-yard line, rather. And they're going to be called for a hold, and that's got to be a devastating penalty for the Hawks after a highlight play by Jack Sutton. Yeah, McCord under so much pressure there. Makes an awesome throw. Sutton, great catch. It's just... It's hard when plays like this get called back. I mean, that pass went right over the linebacker's reach, and Sutton only listed at like 5'10 on the depth chart, going up and making that leaping grab, but now it's going to be first and 20 for the Hawks. They took away 15. I think they actually called a block below the waist there. And now the screen pass goes to Colby Burrell. He's going to bring it out for five yards there. Hawks looking for that home run play on the screen, but Burrell only able to get a few yards there as his helmet comes off, so he's going to have to run off the field and be replaced by Marcus Mason. Yeah, Marcus Mason, of the two backs, the better receiving one. So, guy put him in the slot on the other side of Sutton, and just hope McCord can get somebody open, make the pass, and if it goes to Marcus Mason, we've already seen him make a couple great catches in the last two weeks that touched. So, the great catch earlier, and... Last week against St. Francis, the play that got him to the four. So now, second and 17 for the Hawks. As McCord has three receivers to his left, one to his right. Tyreek Jones-Garland checks into the slot. Now Marcus Mason in the back with McCord. McCord gets the snap, looks to his left, and he's going to air it out to Johnny Freeman, who makes the catch. A tiptoe snag out of bounds, and they're going to be within six yards of getting a first down here on third and six. Johnny Freeman is having a big game. Awesome catch there. McCord steps up, fires to the sideline. Freeman falling out of bounds is able to hold on. That is what the Hawks need right there. Now the Hawks running to the line, third and six. They see one-on-ones with Colby Burrell in the slot, with Jack Sutton and Marvin Harrison to his left, Johnny Freeman to his right on the short field and the handoff goes to Mason Mason breaks through, gets the first down and the Hawks are continuing to move the chains here and Mason looks really rattled as he's down on the field he lowered his helmet as he was going to the ground and it looks like there was a helmet to helmet hit as he was going to the ground so really shaken up there for Mason but it looks like John Leuzzi has a report for us as the rain starts to trickle down here at Rutgers. Thanks, guys. On that play by Marcus Mason, he was able to drive and break through the tackle, but he was brought down right away by a couple St. Peter's defenders, and he looks like he's being checked out by the both teams' training staff right at the lower body, right around the leg. He's, it's hard to see from my vantage point that his back is towards me, but it does look like it's, it has to be something with his leg or forearm, but as the trainers are bringing him on his stomach right now, on his back rather. But going back to the going back to the weather, the rain is picking up right now, so it might affect both teams with the run game as it is picking up just a little bit. It is raining a little bit harder than earlier in the game. We'll send it back upstairs to you guys as Marcus Mason is being checked out by both teams' training staffs. And it looks like they are pulling Marcus Mason up and he's walking off with a limp to that right ankle, but mostly under his own power. Coach Infante really 
rushed to the scene there as he saw his running back go down, the captain of this Hawks football team, and that's a devastating blow to the Hawks offense. Especially with Colby Burrell already shaken up a couple times in this game. They're going to have to hope market with losing Marcus Mason could cause a big implement on what this offense is able to do, and that could get some other guys into the game for the Hawks, and they're going to have to hope he's okay because they'll need him for the future. So Burrell, the only option for Coach Infante right now at the running back position is out there with McCord. He's got Marvin Harrison, Anthony Wrightley, and Jack Sutton on his left, and Gianni Freeman on his right. They're at the right hash mark, 30-yard line, first set of downs, nearing the Marauder end zone. Going for the hard count. Now checking the sideline for the call. McCord knows what he's doing, hopefully. And he takes the snap, and it goes to Burrell. Burrell breaks through the line, punches it to the outside, and he's going to run into Wrightley, but not until he gets to the 20-yard line and a first down. So now the Hawks are in the red zone yet again, and they've been pretty successful in all their trips getting both touchdowns while they were in the red zone. Yeah, a great run there by Colby Burrell. Just finds the hole, puts up a little jump cut to the left, and then cuts back inside to get the extra yards for the first down they needed. And they've just got to keep moving the chains with 7.50 to play. Just got to get in the end zone here. Now Marvin Harrison, the lone receiver to his left. McCord looks to his left and finds Jackson in the middle, and he's in for a touchdown. St. Joe's prep. They left Sutton wide open in the middle of the field, and McCord made him pay. So now St. Joe's prep brings it back to within a one-possession game with 7.42 left. And Campbell is going to come on to try and kick the extra point to make it a six-point game. A busted coverage there by St. Peter's Prep. Kyle McCord steps up into the pocket, throws a laser into the middle of the field. Great catch by Jack Sutton and gets in the end zone. And the field goal goes off the post, so no good for Mike Campbell. And it's going to be a seven-point game. And with that, we're going to take a quick break here on WSJP as the Hawks are trying to climb back into this one. It's 27-20 here at Rutgers. This is going to be a really interesting ending that you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm history teacher Bill Connors, and you're listening to WSJP. St. Joe's Prep. You're listening to WSJP, your home for prep athletics. And welcome back to Rutgers University where the Hawks are climbing back into this game. It's 27-20. They're still down as Mike Campbell kicks it off to a year. Sante, he's going to take it on the left side of the field, bring it all the way to the right side until he's brought down by Zach Bogus at the 40-yard line for the Marauders. And that's where they're going to set up shop and try and Get some more insurance points up there on the scoreboard with 7.35 remaining. 
Ayer Asante down on the field at the, over by the prep bench. Still has not gotten up. He looks very shaken up on the play as he was driven into multiple prep players. Made a lot of contact, and he's down. Still not gotten up. Asante, four catches for 37 yards in today's contest, but he's really been a focal point of the prep defense all week long. His ability to break out the long plays. He had a 57-yard reception last week for a touchdown, and certainly a devastating blow for St. Peter's if he's not able to return in this game. Yeah, definitely. Asante, he's caused so much trouble for the prep defense because you remember he's the guy in the backfield doing all the motion, the swing routes, the halfback wheels. So on special teams, he's been a horse for this team. So a year, Asante is a guy they don't want to lose, and helmets off, and he's got to be helped over to his sideline. With that, we're going to send it over to John Leuzzi. John, what do you got for us? Guys, on that drive for St. Joe's prep, Kyle McCord was able to find his wide receiver in the slot, Jack Sutton, in open field coverage. First time we've seen that from the, from the Marauders' defense on the day. Home run, home run pass there by the sophomore quarterback. Unfortunately for the Hawks, they were not able to get the extra point to bring this just within six points. Now they have to make sure this drive on defense is a three and out if they want to get back into this game with 7.37 remaining here in the, in the remainder of the second half. Back upstairs to you guys. Thank you, John. And now it looks like it's going to be first and ten for the Marauders. Anthony Summy the back for St. Peter's as he's going to take the handoff but only get a yard as the Hawks converge up the middle. And it looks like some defensive players are exchanging some words with the Marauders having a nice little friendly conversation, you think, John? Yeah, Liam Johnson plugged the hole there. Uh, I'm sure all that happened was St. Peter's prep said nice tackle. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope that's the great spirit of football that we all know and love in high school, and especially the Catholic League. As Maynard comes out in the pistol, and some more motion in the backfield as somebody's going to get the ball, the handoff, but he's wrapped up by Miles Talley. Miles Sr., captain, what a play. Moving inside the box to play linebacker, and Jeremiah Trotter Sr. is getting the Hawks faithful hype on the sideline right now. Miles Talley, a former safety turned linebacker, this year comes out. An unbelievable tackle there in one-on-one at the sideline, something the Hawks have struggled with so much in these past two games, makes the key tackle behind the line of scrimmage to set up third and long. Third and ten now for the Marauders. St. Joe's Prep needs to stop here if they want to get the ball back on offense. Three receivers to Maynard's left. As Cooper Kim lines up, and he rushes the quarterback. Maynard keeps it himself. He rolls to his left. He's looking for a receiver, and he's looking for just it's picked off by Liam Johnson. Flags are thrown in the air, but Liam Johnson coming up with a key interception. Let's see if it stands. And it, Miles Talley is... Really exuberant on the sideline. It's going to be against St. Peter's. And St. Joe's prep is going to take over again as the offense has an opportunity to tie this game up here with 6.05 in the fourth quarter. And let's send it down to John Leuzzi. John, what was that play? It was a great play there called by the St. Joe's prep defense. Liam Johnson was right there. He saw it from the spot. He was able to get probably probably the biggest stop by St. Joe's Prep on defense of today's game. Significantly, 
It was it came in at a great time as the offense able to come back onto the field now. But going back to what happened on the last drive for St. Joe's Prep on offense, Marcus Mason was getting checked out by the training staff on here, and he was getting extra padding put onto his shoulder pads on the back. So hopefully he's not out right now on offense, but hopefully he can come back as the offense comes back out now as McCord. Thank you, John. And McCord was pressured by the Marauders as he throws it out of bounds, looking for Marvin Harrison for a home run pass. He was contemplating whether to run or to throw and ultimately chose the option that gave him an incomplete pass. Yeah, Marvin Harrison just going down field there. Tried to play the 6-4 on 5-10 card. Unfortunately, just a little too far out of bounds. Didn't really give Harrison a make chance to, even if he did hold on to the ball, to come down and bounce. Now, the Hawks still have plenty of time left. Two timeouts remaining for both teams. McCord comes out in the shotgun. Three receivers to his left. The handoff goes to Borelli. Breaks outside the tackles and picks up three. That is George Rooks, 6'4", 250 lineman on the tackle there for the Marauders. And now it's going to be third and long. This is a crucial play for the Hawks. Definitely third down at seven. It's probably an obvious passing situation, but with what we've seen from these offenses, you never know. So looks like an offside. And it looks like it's going to be a neutral zone infraction on the senior Duke commit, R.J. Oban. He's getting a little jumpy there trying to get after McCord, but it's going to cost him five yards. So now third and two, a little more manageable for the Hawks. They could go with the pass or the run here. Yeah, definitely a great job by Kyle McCord with the hard count. Gets the Duke commit, R.J. Oban offsides. That's extremely key, and now the playbook is wide open. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we see a spread formation or an eye. Knowing Gabe Infante, we could see anything. Well, line, well, linemen are being added to the formation for the Hawks and Jack McGeever and Anthony Lenahan. Colby Burrell, the power backs in. He gets the handoff. He breaks it to the outside after breaking a tackle. He picks up the first down and is hit hard. They're going to spot him right at the first down marker. So let's see if they can move the chains here. It looks... The They're ch- going to give him... The first down marker is right past the 50. They're marking him right at the first down marker. And the referee. They're going to move the chains. That's a great run by Colby Burrell. Absolutely stuffed in the backfield to be able to move to the outside and just pick up that first down. That is a fantastic run. A good sign for the Hawks as Marcus Mason enters the field as a slot receiver. And now the officials are going to congregate here to possibly contemplate the spot of the ball. St. Peter's not really happy about where it was. And now it looks like they're going to br- they're gonna keep it first down. They just moved the ball just outside the hash mark. As McCord in the shotgun, two receivers to each side. Colby Burrell in the backfield. Fakes the handoff to Burrell. Jack Sutton is found over the middle on a slant route. And the Hawks are going to have second and short here with... 4.20 remaining on the clock. How about Jack Sutton? Another leaping catch. A serious athlete. Another guy came into prep. Quarterback switched to punter and wide receiver. A very athletic kid and a great catch to set up the prep. Just one yard from the first down marker. And now McCord has an opportunity to launch one down the field. As he takes the snap, he's getting pressured. He looks down to Marvin Harrison. He's held and the flag is thrown. So... It'll probably be a pass interference on Adonis McGee. Definitely grabbing the jersey of Harrison, not letting 
him get outside and well past him. Nice play there by the referee, throwing the flag back to each other. Yeah, they're only going to get 10 yards because they call holding, but still a great job, moved the chains. A good throw by McCord, and if he if Marvin Harrison was able to get to that ball, it could have been trouble for St. Peter's defense. And now the Hawks at the just outside the 30, 31-yard line. Four minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. McCord going to the hard count. Three receivers to his right, Mason Sutton and Freeman, and then Marvin Harrison singled out on the left. They are on the left hash mark, so Marvin Harrison does not have as much room to operate as Johnny Freeman does. Colby Burrell moves to McCord's right as McCord takes the snap and hands it off to Burrell. Burrell breaks it to the right on a counter, and he's going to pick up five on the carry. A good strong run there by Colby Burrell. Picks up five. Stopped in the backfield and just a nice little spin move to keep on going. And St. Joe's Prep continuing to move the ball. And you can see on the replay there, he actually slipped and almost fell over. Great bounce to get back up. And just these positive plays are what the Hawks need. And now they're going to move out on to Marvin Harrison. Number three, Kyrie Robinson. As Adonis McGee goes to cover Johnny Freeman. And the draw play goes to Burrell. Burrell breaks it up the middle, breaks through into the secondary. He's going to the left side, and it's a touchdown. St. Joe's Pratt, Colby Burrell. What a run, breaking it up the middle, breaking it to the left, and finding the red, red end zone. And now the Hawks have an opportunity to tie it here with 3.17 remaining. A phenomenal play call. The draw right up the middle. Burrell sees the defense and just splits the safeties, goes straight to the left, and no one is catching up to him. And after the extra point attempt, we're going to send it down to John Leuzzi. He was right there where Colby Burrell made an outstanding run, breaking tackles left and right and finding the end zone. So Mike Campbell is on to kick the extra point as Anthony Cerruti keeps running back and forth. And now the Hawks are going to have to waste a timeout because nobody is ready over there in the special teams unit. So, John... What did you see on that run from Colby Burrell? What an exceptional open block by the St. Joe's Prep offensive line for Burrell to make a juke move and go right all the way to the end zone. It's a big play there for St. Joe's Prep. It'll be interesting now if Coach Infante goes for the extra point to tie it up or go for two. As it looks like the offense is going to come back onto the field. So they can convert on this two-point conversion. Santos Prep will get their first lead of the day, and that's going to be big. But the defense is going to have to come up big once again and come up with a big stop or get an interception or turnover on that when they come back onto the field. They want to secure this win. Back upstairs to you guys. Thank you, John. And this play could really define the game for both teams. Right now we sit at 27-26. St. Peter's Prep clinging to a lead by a thread. And St. Joe's Prep is going to come out at the three-yard line and try and attempt two-point conversion here. Jack Sutton, Johnny Freeman on his right. Marvin Harrison on McCord's left. Colby Burrell motions out of the backfield. So an empty backfield for McCord. He takes the snap. He looks to his right, and he finds... He finds the receiver... And it's Marcus Mason on the two-point conversion, and the Hawks take the lead. A very gutsy play call there for St. Joe's Prep Hawks going for two. 
St. Peter sends the house, and Kyle McCord able to get it out on a quick route. Marcus Mason comes down with the ball, secures it, falls into the end zone, and that is huge. St. Joe's Prep now has the lead with only 3.17 to go. And this St. Joe's Prep crowd that traveled all the way up here to North Jersey is really letting the host St. Peter's hear it now. The Prep faithful finally get to cheer about a lead that they have in this game, and now it's all in the defense's hands as a simple field goal could put St. Peter's on top. But now they just have to kick it off and hope for the best right now as there's only 317 remaining. The Hawks have one timeout left, and St. Peter's has two. And, wow, the Hawks are just full of energy right now on the sideline, on the field, and in the stands. An extremely successful fourth quarter so far for the Hawks, outscoring St. Peter's, and a great play there for the two-point conversion. And now Campbell's kick is kicked all the way back to the 10-yard line where they're going to catch it at Summy. It looks like, and he's met by Jeremiah Trotter. What a hit by the sophomore at the 15-yard line. And that really juiced up the place. We're starting to hear it all the way up in the press area. And St. Joe's Prep really has all the momentum going in their favor at the right time. That is an absolutely awesome kickoff. Special teams play for St. Joe's Prep. They've struggled at that so much, even today, last week. And Mike Campbell comes out, kicks a bomb down the field, and his, blo- his uh, rushers really help him out, and Jeremiah delivers the blow. Now, Masai Maynard does not look like a year Asante is on the field for the Marauders, so that's not a promising sign. The Hawks only go three D linemen, and he finds Chase Simon, or Chase Jones, rather, for the curl route. And they're going to pick up about six yards there. Back to where they started the game off. They had a nice, well-put-together drive. Chase Jones was really Maynard's number one target. Yeah, definitely. And St. Joe's Prep, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some pressure coming right now. So definitely a team that can blitz, and they can blitz efficiently. And with the energy they have right now, I wouldn't be surprised to see them draw one up. Jelani Mason in the slot as Maynard takes the snap and is looking to run it. And he and he meets Trotter past the first down marker. He meets Trotter and Lenahan, but picks up the first down. So now they're at the 30-yard line, or the 29, rather. And three minutes remaining. The clock does stop every time there's a first down in high school football so that they can get set up on the markers. Now three receivers to Maynard's right. And as he takes the snap, he's facing pressure, but he finds Jelani Mason on the slant. And he's wrapped up for a five-yard gain by Liam Johnson there. Good play by Liam Johnson. Just stays inside of him and is able to read the cut and make the leg tackle. Overall, Sanchez Prep brings the house there on that play. And a good job by their secondary backing it up. St. Peter's going to the hurry up. Maynard rolls to his right and is dragged down by Liam Johnson yet again. But it looks like they're going to spot the ball very generously and give them the first down. So 2.25 is where the clock sits right now. They're going to start moving it as soon as they set up the chains. St. Joe's Prep had a chance to bring him down in the backfield, but Masai Manor made a great cut and just went right through the defenders to pick up that first down. Jelani Mason in the motion. Three receivers to Maynard's left. And now Maynard is seeing people in the backfield, and he finds a receiver on the right side. That's Byron Shipman. Hawks fans are complaining for a hold in the backfield as Anthony Lenahan had a clear shot on Maynard in the backfield. But they still haven't switched fields yet. 
or they have rather, it's the 48-yard line of the Hawks. Gabe Infante is clearly not happy about that no-call as the Hawk defender was pulled to the ground from behind by his neck. Not sure how that wasn't called a hold, but St. Peter's picks up the first down and they capitalized. Hawks go three defensive linemen as the rush is getting the Maynard. He's going to step up in the pocket, and there's a flag thrown in the backfield, and Maynard is hit hard by Nick Rios and Cooper Kim, and they're still holding on to the ball. And there's going to be a hold call on St. Peter's, so that's going to back him up on the other side of the 50. Yeah, definitely St. Peter's second play in a row where the offensive line just looks off, and St. Joe's prep, they do need to make some tackles, though, in the running game because Maynard has just taken off these last couple plays, and he's doing some damage with his legs. And now they're back at the 39-yard line of the Marauders. We have eclipsed the two-minute mark here in this game, exactly 1.56 remaining as the clock continues to run on the Marauders, and I don't think they realize that they still have two timeouts left, and it's first and 23 as Maynard comes out. Three receivers to his left in the pistol. Sumney to his back. Byron Shipman to his right. He takes the handoff, drops back very deep, and it's intercepted by Anthony Lenahan, and he's going to go past Maynard inside the 10-yard line, and St. Joe's prep has just made the biggest play of the day. Defensive lineman Anthony Lenahan picking off the screen pass and bringing it inside the Hawks' red zone. And Lenahan is shaken up after the play. Down on the field. But we're going to go down to our sideline reporter, John Leuzzi. And, John, what a play for the Hawks. What a play indeed, Ricky. What an unbelievable comeback from behind game for the Hawks right now. They still have a minute and 33 left, but that's a big moving drive there for this offense as they come back on the field. Anthony Lenahan, the first-year defensive line starter here, comes up with a big interception, but he is being checked out by the training staff on the other side of the field. Ricky, I just ran the entire field. I'm exhausted. The prep is so excited, and they're loud and proud as long so is this fan base for the Hawks. Back upstairs to you guys. Well, thank you, John 1. And now, John 2, what did you have to say about that amazing play by Lenahan? Just Anthony Lenahan, last year the tight end, just uses those hands he land last, learned last year, comes up awesome play for St. Joe's Prep, and that completely turns the momentum. Already have a lead. They can punch the ball into the end zone here and make the extra point. That would put a lot of pressure on St. Peter's Prep. And with so little time, and St. Peter's only having two timeouts left. Running the ball is going to force them to use both of those. And if the Hawks can hold on to this lead, we will be having the prep post-game show. So make sure to keep it locked right here after the game as John Pease and I will be breaking down all the action from tonight's game between the Hawks and the Marauders. And John Leuzzi will hopefully be getting us some sideline interviews from the Hawks after tonight's hopefully thrilling victory. Yeah, and right now, in that huddle, what I hope Gabe Infante told the team is if Marcus Mason out there, if he gets a clear path to the end zone, I would go to the ground and not get for the touchdown quite yet because you want to run as much of the clock off as you can. As McCord's handoff goes to Mason, he bounces at the outside and into the end zone. Touchdown, St. Joe's prep. They go up seven points here in the fourth quarter, 129 remaining, and the Hawks have certainly taken over this fourth quarter 
with another touchdown, and their offense has been firing on all cylinders. Yeah, a great run by Marcus Mason. Gets to the outside and cuts right into the end zone. The only thing, you look at the clock, still 129 left, and St. Peter's going to have to use either of those two timeouts. And if St. Joe's Prep makes the field goal here, it'll have to be an, it'll be an eight-point lead. So still a one-possession game, and the Marauders, the way their offense has been all game, really have to change something here as the kick is good. So now it's going to be an eight-point lead for St. Joe's Prep. And wow, what a turn of events we've had here in the second half, John. Yeah, definitely. Sanchez Prep came out. Defense looked lackluster. We saw them give the uh, the great punt from Jack Sutton. We saw St. Peter's Prep get the ball at their own four, then rush for the 96-yard touchdown. Kind of thought in the stands that might have been a little dagger in the Hawks' spirit. But they came right back out. They got two turnovers, two interceptions, all on both great plays. And they're really battling out there. Now they take an eight-point lead over St. Peter's Prep. So not only do they need a touchdown, but they need the two-point conversion as well. And this is something that St. Joe's Prep loves to do with their opponents. Not really fall behind necessarily early in the games, but they like to wear their opponent down. And really in the third and fourth quarter against tough opponents, that's really when their defense steps up and shines because they're a very well-conditioned team. Gabe Infante knows what he's doing on the practice field, and it's really showing here on in Rutgers University. Yeah, definitely. Those extra reps they take at practice, they show up at the end of the games, and just great stamina we've seen. As Campbell's kick is short, it's going to land at the 25, but Ayer Asante's back in the game, and he's going to bring it to the 40-yard line, still on the Marauders' side of the field. So they have 60 yards to go, 126 remaining. They still have two timeouts. The Hawks have one if they need to talk something over. And now the defense... They do have an opportunity to turn up the blitz here if they please, but I don't see why they would and just play everybody pretty much back and prevent a deep ball pass. Well, with 126 to go, though, it's hard to just do that because if you give up enough short passes, they're going to start gaining ground. And right now, if I'm Sanchez Prep, though, I'm, t- I'm just going to keep up with the energy and do what they've been doing all game and try and force another turnover. Maynard takes the snap and is looking for Mason on the left side, but... Triple coverage covered by Tally and Mike Alexander and Anthony Wrightley in the vicinity of that. That was a very poor pass decision there by Masai Maynard. And he's pretty lucky that he didn't get picked off the throw. A triple coverage, that was very risky, and he took a shot. Imagine how loud this place would have gotten if that ball got intercepted as well. Yeah, it would have gotten loud. So second and ten. As Manor takes the snap, he's looking for the deep ball, but he finds a year Asante, and the Hawks are trying to keep him in bounds, and it looks like they do keep him in bounds as the clock continues to run. A minute ten remaining, and St. Peter's Prep is going to use their second timeout of the half, and with that, we're going to take a quick break here because it's been a long fourth quarter, but when we return the final 108 here at High Point Solution Stadium, keep it locked. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Mrs. McKinley, English teacher at St. Joseph's Prep, and you are listening to WSJP. everybody 
I'm Frank Graffa, teacher of Spanish and French at the Prep, and you're listening to WSJP Prep Sports Radio. Welcome back to High Point Solution Stadium on the campus of Rutgers University. St. Joe's Prep has taken a miraculous fourth quarter lead of 35 to 27 over the St. Peter's Prep Marauders, and Masai Maynard just inc- made an incomplete pass to Byron Shipman. So now it's going to be fourth and eight with 106 remaining. The Marauders trying to mount together a drive that will tie this game up as they're still on their own 45-yard line. This could be the game right here. Fourth and eight. A year of Sante set into motion right to left into the slot, and a flag is thrown on the field. And there's going to be an encroachment call on the Hawks. So that's going to move the line of scrimmage up five yards, but it'll remain fourth down. That is not what you want. You cannot give an encroachment. You cannot make a penalty when your opponent's looking at a fourth and eight. And St. Joe's Prep just gave them five free yards, which opens up a lot more. They could do They could do another running back screen, a wide receiver screen, and St. Joe's Prep defense has got to stay out there, and if they make this stop, this game could be over. And everybody in St. Joe's Prep attire is standing in the stadium right now as Maynard is looking for Chase Jones, and it's broken up by Cooper Kim. What a play by the senior, and St. Joe's Prep is going to go into victory formation as a flag is thrown after the play. Well after the play, they were jumping for joy after that broken up pass. Only a sideline warning, so not even a penalty, and Sancho's prep is going to send their victory formation onto the field, I assume, to take the knees, and St. Peter's prep with only two, with only one timeout left is going to... They're, in a, they're not in the situation they wanted to be. Certainly not, and with 101 remaining on the clock, the Hawks might have to get one first down, if that... Not really sure how the time works out here. There's not really a play clock on the scoreboard. There's everything else, instant replays, but not a play clock. So we're going to have to see here. But the Hawks do go into victory formation. McCord is going to take a kneel on the first play as he stares over the line. And he takes the knee, backs it up. And that's now going to be second and 12. Not that that matters really anymore. St. Joe's prep up 35-27. to 27. A miraculous second-half comeback for the Hawks. And St. Peter's prep not using their timeout. St. Joe's prep is going to come back and win this game in an absolute amazing finish. Top to bottom, defense locked up. Two interceptions late in the game. And Kyle McCord and the gang stepped up on offense and made the plays that mattered. And the Hawks are going to improve to 1-0 and on the season as they defeat St. Peter's Prep here as the time ticks 20 seconds, now nearing 15. This is getting kind of boring because the game's not officially over, but the teams are shaking hands on the field, and St. Joe's Prep secures the victory over St. Peter's 35-27, to a miraculous fourth-quarter comeback highlighted the day for the Hawks, and they're going to take on Our Lady of Good Counsel next week at Quick Stadium, their first home game of the year. That is an absolutely great win for St. Joe's Prep. Things weren't going their way. The run game wasn't was lackluster. The run defense was also subpar. The secondary wasn't playing great, but in that second half, 
I don't know what speech Gabe and Fonte gave them in the locker room, but they came out clicking after the rough start in the third quarter. They started firing on all cylinders. The secondary stepped up. The linebacker stepped up. The line stepped up. And most importantly, the offense started scoring. And we're going to take a quick break here on WSJP, but make sure you keep it locked for prep post-game live where we are going to run through this game preview next week against Our Lady of Good Counsel and really talk about this Hawks victory. John Leuzzi is going to try and get some interviews from players. Hopefully that works out because they got a lot to say after this astonishing victory. So we'll be right back. Keep it locked. What's up, everybody? I'm Frank Graffa, teacher of Spanish and French at the Prep, and you're listening to WSJP Prep. WSJP, your home for prep soccer. Welcome back to High Point Solutions Stadium on the campus of Rutgers University in the great state of New Jersey. The Hawks just completed a comeback victory over St. Peter's Prep. And, John, it was certainly one for the books here. A great way to officially start off the Hawks season as they go 1-0. And, man, just what a game from the Hawks. Definitely. I was so impressed from what I saw in that second half from St. Joe's Prep. Kyle McCord especially really stepped up in this game, 130 yards with a couple touchdowns on his resume. So St. Joe's Prep looked really good. The two-point conversion was a key moment in the game. And then that interception by Anthony Lenahan returned to the 10-yard line with the dagger. And the Hawks, their defense really stepped it up in the fourth quarter, especially after getting run on brutally by Anthony Sumney. He had a 96-yard touchdown run in, during the game, and that was really seemed to be a stab in the heart of the Preps defense, and, man, they just came back out swinging. It's not over till it's over, and this Hawks team believes that as they're jumping up and down, super excited to get a big victory 
in a big venue like we are in right now. Yeah, there was no quit in the team today. Faced so much adversity, struggled, went down 27-14. to 14. Weren't able to do too much, and then all of a sudden out came the heart, the interception, touchdown, and then this team just took off, and they were able to put points up and put them up fast, and that's what we love to see, the elusive offense, and everyone got to shine. So what do you think was one play that really turned the preps' chances around in this game? I think the Nick Rios interception over at the sideline was the biggest turning point in this game. Obviously, the Anthony Lenahan interception kind of secured it, but Rios' pick gave the Hawks that touchdown they desperately needed to fight their way back in the game. And after that, they just took off, and I think that was the turning point in their success. Masai Maynard has not had his luck against the Hawks these past two years. Last year, he threw three interceptions against the Hawks, and this year he threw another three interceptions against the Hawks. So definitely not his favorite team to face in his playing career, but he still had a pretty solid day going 17 of 26 for 197 yards. And he also got it done on the ground with five carries for 33 yards. I mean, the Hawks did a pretty good job of containing Maynard's speed in the run game, but they really got passed on a lot today. Yeah, what? however, when it really mattered on that last drive, uh, when Sancho's prep stepped up on fourth down, able to play great coverage, and on that final drive of the game, they were able to completely shut down St. Peter's and Maynard and able to really put it away. And Sancho's prep, I mean... Coming out of last week, playing two and a half quarters. I mean, what can you say? Bouncing back after being down 13 to seven. I mean, and it looks like John Leuzzi is going to have an interview for us with senior lineman Anthony Cerruti. John, take it away. Thank you, guys. I'm here with senior offensive lineman Anthony Cerruti. Cerruti, a big game coming here. A big comeback from behind win. Thanks to the offensive line giving that run for. To Kobe Brown and Marcus Mason, what was the big thing in the second half for the offense? Big thing in the second half is just us coming out, not making those mistakes we made in the first half. It's just playing our style of football. You guys had a big game in the offense in the second half last week against St. Francis. You brought that into today's game against St. Peter's. How important is it going to bring that into the rest of the season and hope to come back to Hershey? Very important. This game is a springboard to go into the season. We're just going to take this and ride it all the way through. All right, guys, that's Anthony Cerruti. Let's send it back upstairs to you guys in the booth. Thank you, John. And, man, that offensive line certainly dominated in the second half, giving holes for Colby Burrell and Marcus Mason to operate and giving McCord some time to launch it down the field. Yeah, Anthony Cerruti is a serious leader on this team. Came in last year, week three, became a starter at center after an injury, and he's been key. And it looks like John Leuzzi is getting another interview down on the sideline. It was Colby Burrell who... Gave the Hawks the opportunity to tie it up and put them ahead by one. John, what do you got for us? Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. I'm here with junior running back Colby Brown. Colby, big game on the offense for running today. You finished with 20 carries, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. One of those touchdowns was able to come in the second second half at the end of it. How big was it for the running game for the Hawks to come out here in the second half especially? Oh, we really need to run to the ball. Uh, in the first half, we, we had a couple runs that were supposed to be broken, and I felt like oh, that was on me. And I need to break one, so I had to come out clutch in a uh, real bad, real good situation for us and score a touchdown. I needed that. What could you say to us of what the message in the second in the locker room at halftime, Coach Infante? You guys had a tied game at half at the half, had a little rough coming out of the locker room. But what what did you guys say to, and what was that theme for that Coach Infante told the entire team? Uh, it was mostly that you know they're they're 
they're more of a rah-rah team, and we're really about it. Like, we'll go anywhere, we'll play any team. It doesn't really matter. And even though we come out, we came out, you know, slow in the first, uh, the second half, we know that we were going to eventually click. And as soon as we click, we got to start firing at all cylinders. I got to keep going. Nate's got to keep going. Nate's got to keep going. We all got to keep going and just keep hitting them because both of their players, most of the players, we both ways. So we just had to wear them down. That's really our main message, wear them down. Going into next week against Our Lady of Good Council, another team from Maryland who will run the ball a little bit. You guys got to continue with the offense. What is, what's the big deal to continue going into the rest of the season also? We got to show the rest, we gotta show the rest of the uh, United States that we can run the ball. We're a physical team, and we like to, we like to run the ball. It's simple. We're going to make the rest of the world know that we are here to stay. The prep is here. All right, guys, that's Colby Burrell, the running back. And now I'm going to bring in the – Junior defensive lineman, Anthony Lenahan. Lenny, you came with the, up with a big interception. You got the game ball for that. What did you see on that play specifically? Well, we were practicing screen all week, and I saw the screen. I saw Corbett dies. I redirected. I mean, made the play. I mean, it's practice. That's all we got to do. How big of a win was this for you guys? You guys are going to beat them. You beat St. Peter's two years in a row now. Came back from behind this time. Another win. Another big win, especially coming off an up-and-down game last week with the Lightning down in Maryland. Well, I mean... We, we didn't play good at all. We didn't play our best. We didn't play better. But, I mean, it's huge for us to make a comeback win. Like, all the six is one, we could have meant to go in every game. So, good. What's the importance to you for your teammates to give you that game ball here tonight? I mean, I, one, I only made one play today. I didn't have a great game overall. But, I mean, one play, I get this. But, I, overall, it's a great game, my whole team. I got to ask you, you, got, you got, you got, you're in a sling right now. What's the latest with that shoulder? Uh, I just pop back. I'll pop back in. I should be fine. All right. All right, guys, that's Anthony Lenahill. Let's send it back upstairs to you guys to finish off the postgame show. Big win for the Hawks here in New Brunswick, the home of college football on next week. Back upstairs to you guys. Thank you, John. And I really liked what Anthony Lenahan just said about the sling on his arm. He popped his shoulder out and just bloop, popped it back in. So he looks like he's going to be possibly ready to go next week. But with that being said, we're going to end it here on the prep postgame show for John Leuzzi, Tyler Conrad, who's been running the social media accounts, Don Rochetti, our runner, Thomas Abington, Charlie Murray, our statisticians, John Pease, I'm Ricky Weep saying good night, thank you for listening, and go prep.